Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders and Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. The Islanders are now sporting a nine-game winning streak and a 12-game point streak. Off to, again, they're continuing to keep this momentum as we knew they would during this honeymoon tide period of the schedule. They're continuing to take advantage of the lesser teams and come away with wins when we need them. And that's what you need to do, right? You got to beat, got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and then split. If you split with the other teams, you're going to be in good shape. And that's where we are right now. And do we care to go back and look at the prediction when Grumstradamus uh, mentioned how we were going to do on this point streak? Do we need to go back into that to prove you incorrect and me correct once again? Grumstradamus. I like it. I like it. Go ahead, Grump. We can go back to yesteryear and take a take a little look at that. I wasn't 100% because I thought we'd lose two points out of the 16 or whatever it was, out of however many it was. It was a seven-game stretch. So, I mean, like you're looking at maximum of 14 points. Maybe you thought we were going to get 12 out of 14. Yes, and I think you said eight is what you said. I was honestly through a lot of these time periods when we were playing a team three times in a four ga- a four day stretch. I was expecting at least to lose one game during that time period. I was wrong, right? You know, I'm happy to be wrong with that. That is for certain. Well, you're not going to like my predictions coming up. I can just tell you that. Oh God Almighty, grumpy old man! Now I'll tell you. We do get to the meat and the meat and potatoes portion of the schedule coming up, though, grumpy old man. Yep, without a doubt. Uh, I think we have Washington and Philadelphia coming up in the next week. Um, we need to play better than we have the last couple of games. I mean, I mean that's that's long story short. You know, we lost uh, Captain Average. We lost hey, him. there it is. Okay, you know what, Grump? I got a bone to pick with you. You finally give him the respect he deserves. You call him Captain Average, at least in your book. I think that is the highest level of respect you can pay to, to Anders Lee. You call him Captain Average. And, you know, Grump, this is what we hear from you. You give it to him after he's injured and after the rest of the season. There's a reason, because he can't disappoint me for a while. No, stop. Oh, my goodness, Grumpy. Before we get too much into it, because there's a lot to talk about here. There's a talk about the opportunity Kiefer Bellows has taken, and he's emerged there from that time period on the bench. We have to talk about Anders Lee, the injury there, uh, placed on long-term injury here today. And we have to talk about the COVID protocol. Right now, Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Noah Dobson have both entered COVID protocol, so we can expect to be without them for a little bit of time. But before we dive into it, Grump, and get to the nitty-gritty, the tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set, and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs, grumpy old man. And if that's not enough to check this out, when you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day, and if that team and if they win, you survive and advance to the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick one team once for an entire tournament, so choose wisely. And DraftKings is a safe and secure app, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN 
during the sign-up and to, and to enter the free $1 million survival pool. Again, the code is THPN to enter DraftKings' free $1 million survival pool. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details, Grumpy. TJ, I just want to tell you that was a nice segue into the advertisement. I kind of like that. Certainly not the ham-handed uh, way that you usually do it. So kudos to you, TJ. You know, I I'll tell you. I'm, I'm glad we got some comments. TJ, stop saying grumpy old man, grumpy and grump so much. Oh, I can tell Frank listens to the podcast because those are all the three different ways I refer to you. I guess I'm just not going to respond there. I, you know, I, that is something I do quite an awful lot there. I think Frank would probably like you to refer to me as King. <laughs> Grunt, Grumpster Domus or who the heck knows. I, I'll have to I'll have to try to refrain from it. That's something I do all of the time. Um, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. It seems to bother the listeners a little bit. Um, but Islanders news. We could start off the first bit of news here. Anders Lee after the rest of the season. Kind of got that awkward hit there. Um, people are speculating might be ACL, might be MCL, but he's out for the rest of the season. So they said it's a knee injury. Is that what they said? I, I assume it's, I assume, honestly, I assume it's a knee injury. You kind of see the way it jolts up like that. You see the kind of like bend. I assume it's a knee injury. It doesn't really matter at this point what the injury is. It's going to keep him out for the rest of the regular season and probably playoffs. So that's really, I think all that does matter. I didn't, did they even say that? I don't even think they said that, did they? I thought they said that he's out at least 10 games. That's how you get put on long-term injury. I, his thing, I don't know. They're being real secretive about it. Uh, the only thing they're not secretive about usually is criticism of younger players. Uh, but, you know, they treat everything as a state secret there. I will say this, I, you know, for them to put him on long-term injury, I think it's pretty doom and gloom. I, I will tell you, if he had even like a groin strain, to assume that he was going to be missing nearly a month of action to put him on long-term injury, I'm not necessarily sure I'm buying it. I think he's probably out the rest of the season. Again, this is all speculation on my part, though. Yeah, one thing I'm going to say, uh, everyone who listens to this podcast knows uh, Average is not my favorite player, uh, but he is tough, and if he can go, he's going to go. When he was walked off the ice like that – I. I knew he was going to be out a while. I knew he was, oh, maybe he'll come back for the next period. I'm like, he ain't coming back for the next period. And, you know, I, I don't know how long he's going to be. Like I said, they're real secretive. But that opens up some intriguing possibilities for us, uh, possibly on the trade front. You have $7 million. <laughs> now, here's a benefit to overpaying it's, a guy. It's, like it's $7.3 million now in open cast space the Islanders have. But here's the thing, right? That is, I mean, for a guy that we overpaid, this is the only benefit. He gets hurt, and we get to use it on a good player, perhaps. <laughs> oh my man, you got to you got to stop here. Hey, he's not again. He might be overpaid, especially with the the term. I think the contract is signed to. I will tell you, it does give us a lot of flexibility as to who we can possibly sign. There are a lot of guys out there that are on the uh, the trade market and are being shopped, especially in that left wing position. Um, you know, that definitely could help out the Islanders. I, I, I don't think you can stay pat with what you have and say, we're going to roll. Our left wingers are going to be guys like Anthony Bevilier, Kiefer Bellows, Michael Del Cole, or uh, Matt Martin on a consistent basis with Leo Komarov getting an occasional start here or there. I don't think you can honestly say, I'm happy with those four left wing options there. That's what happens. And okay. I think honestly, 
J.G. Pajot is going to be out for a while. I think that's a bigger issue for us than Anders Lee. For what he brings to – he scores just as much as Anders Lee does. A little and less, he, but he does make a big impact. Yeah, I mean, for a third-line – he's got nine goals this year. I mean, and he plays penalty kill, power play, any, any, anything that's important, he's out there. And he's a way better overall player than Anders Lee is. Uh, I mean, I think that's a bigger loss is not having – I mean, Jarnak was – out of his element today. I think yeah. it hurt the whole line. Poor Wallstrom was out there with Leo and Jarnak. Yikes. I mean, the one time he gets to do something individually, he scores the game winning goal. Other than that, I don't think he, I, I don't think many of them had a good game today. I thought um, Brock Nelson tried to do too much. He did take a lot of shots, but I mean, he was just throwing the thing that frustrates me and it continues to frustrate me with these announcers. You see, I got it written down because a couple of them really. You're jumping, Grump. You're jumping all over the place, man. Yeah, I, I am. I'm sorry. I can't. Well, help I'll, I'll interrupt here so you get a chance to get your thoughts collected. I will tell you one thing that we'll talk about. I, I got it, Grump. I will tell you one thing. I upset a lot of people there on social media. I know you do not have a social media presence at all. So I handle all the social media here for the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. What'd well, after last do? night, after after last night's game. I made sure to remind everybody, if we take the clock back to February 18th, the last time Kiefer Bellows is in the lineup, Barry Trott said that was Kiefer's opportunity. Well, he came out like a madman with his hair on fire yesterday, scores two goals, gets another goal today, albeit a lucky goal today where Sebastian Ajo just throws the puck towards a general direction of the net, just happens to cream off of Kiefer Bellows' arm, goes in. I mean, you, you Throw the puck towards the net, good things happen. That being said, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think it's as lucky as you think. He was driving towards that. He saw the puck and he leaned into it. He wasn't, he, his head wasn't turned. That's a Josh Bailey type goal where his head is turned, you know, he's looking somewhere else and a puck bounces off of him. So, in other words, he has more, as many goals as Josh Bailey does, who gets the infinite amount of ice time, power play all the time. He's got just as many goals in two games. I was actually going to bring that up, but I'm glad you Just brought it up. Just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to yeah. make sure that's the same guy we're talking about. The same yeah. guy who was never going to play. Okay, good. <laughs> Continue, please. Well, the funny thing is I made sure to make a post, and I said I think those comments, as I had mentioned, even if you go back to the podcast on February 18th, I'm never a believer ever in torching a rookie and a young guy to the media. Never, ever, ever. This is from a player, ex-player's perspective. And everybody, you know, they're jumping on social media. How many Stanley Cups do you have? This is all part of Barry Trotz's mastermind plan. He's playing 4D chess. I'm seeing the responses. They're all over the place, Grumpy. And I could tell you one thing. I don't buy it. I think this was more a stroke of luck than a stroke of genius. And hear me out. I'm going to be a little long-winded on this one. In order to believe that Barry Trotz was playing 4D chess and when he ripped Kiefer Bellows there to the media, you also have to believe Number one, that Kiefer Bellows does better with the whip than the carrot, which I 100% believe. You also have to believe that Barry Trotz always planned on putting Kiefer Bellows back into the lineup. Because if Barry Trotz never had the plan to put Kiefer Bellows back into the lineup, he just ripped the young man for absolutely no reason at all but decides to motivate him. I've always been a big believer if you need to whip the player in order for him to be successful, do it behind closed doors. I think it always carries further. Some people, you have to do that there to the media – not rookies in my personal opinion. So to believe that he was playing 4D chess, I would have to believe that Kiefer Bellows is going to be put back into the lineup to show that the proverbial fire that was lit under his ass 
was all done as a mastermind in 4D chess move. Here's the question to you, Grump, and to everybody listening in live streaming on the podcast. When was Kiefer Bellows going to be put back into the lineup if not Anders Lee was injured? During the, 11 game, during the 11 game time period since February the 18th, Kiefer Bellows did not see action, not a once. We saw Leo Komarov getting a chance and getting action when Michael Del Cole didn't perform. So, my question to you is if Anders Lee was healthy, when was Kiefer Bellows getting put back into the lineup? Because I just don't believe it. I think it was just a stroke of luck rather than genius. I'll answer that. Never. He was never going to play for this team. Absolutely never. Anyone. So you're trying to sell, tell me that the social media nitwits out there were trying to say that Barry Trotz, you know, the Barry Trotz slurp club, anything that he says, they they just slurp it right up, right? So The, the Islander and Barry Trotz sycophants, the yuppie fans who believe he can do no wrong, given he is an excellent coach. And Grump and I love Barry Trotz. It's important to start off with that. Again, he's not infallible. He makes mistakes just like everybody else in their profession. <laughs> okay. Okay. None. Uh, the answer is never. He was never going to play. Ever. Never freaking ever. He doesn't want to play the young guys. He's forced to play them now, right? And what are we seeing? What are we seeing when the young guys are starting to play? Guess what? They look better than the veterans. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I thought today – Look at the guys who actually played well the last couple of games. Bellows, Wallstrom, Aho looked good today in his first action in three freaking years. In three, okay, was he a liability out there? Was he, he turning have, the he, over? He, he did have that turnover that led directly to the New Jersey Devils goal. Again, I, I like to try to be fair and honest. He did have that turnover that that kept the puck in the Islander zone, led there to that interception towards uh, midport of the ice, and it did lead to the goal there for the Devils. Yeah, for me, I thought I thought he played really well today for the first time playing in three years. In three years, first time playing, right? But what do we see when the young guys are playing? We're seeing more energy. We're seeing Oliver Wallstrom. Hey, give the kid more than you know seven or eight minutes a game. And look what he's able to do. I'm I'm glad that Trotz put him out there on uh, in the shootout. I mean, those are the type you want guys who can actually score out there. I'm glad he didn't put Bailey out there. That's usually his his fail safe. Throwing Bailey out there. Actually, Bailey does score, does do pretty well in shootouts because the goalies just fall asleep in the net. They're like, there's no way this clown's going to score, and they just let one in. I will tell you, I did like getting to see a shootout. Unbelievable shot. And we already knew he had the pedigree, and he has the ref for being a great great player there throughout shootout. Uh, nice release there to win the Islanders the game. Again, everything's going well right now for the Islanders. This was the honeymoon portion of the schedule. We talked about it. Three weeks ago, the Islanders had over a seven-game span. The Devils – or I'm sorry, over an eight-game span. The Islanders had the Devils four times. They had the Sabres three times and the Boston Bruins once. We here are on the meat and potatoes portion of our schedule, and it sucks, Grump, that now we don't have Andrews Lee for an extended time period, whether it be the rest of the season. I think it is. I assume that's what happens when you put him on long-term injury, probably the rest of the year, or without Andrews Lee. Jean-Gabriel Paggio goes to COVID protocol and Noah Dobson on COVID protocol. And we're facing the toughest portion of our schedule. Anybody who has been making accusations that the Islanders are their pretenders because they had this time period where it was, you know, a little bit of a cushier portion of the schedule. We're going to find out real quick what the impact is <laughs> because Grump, if we have a tough portion of the schedule. We're missing three important pieces of our team. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, but every team goes through injuries, right? It's why do you think I keep on saying for years and years, we need better, higher end talent? Because if we lose anyone, we're in trouble. I mean, and here's the thing. I don't think the Anders Lee is lost is as big as people seem to make it out to be only because Kiefer Bellows does all the things that Anders Lee does. He's not as good as standing in front of the net. Anders Lee does that better and he's better at deflecting shots. But I'll tell you what, Anders Lee wouldn't have scored those two goals that that Bellows scored last night. Absolutely not. He never would have drove past the guy and got that. That's just not his game. Standing in front of the net like a, like a totem pole is what he does best. And he's good at it. Okay, he's good at it. But can you tell me, is Anders Lee a better skater than Kiefer Bellows? No. Does he have a better shot than Kiefer Bellows? Here's the thing. I'm going to answer the questions for you, okay? Is he a better skater? No. Does he have a better shot? No. Is he younger? No. The only thing is, you know, he's another one of those slurpers for Barry Trotz. He'll do anything he says, and Barry Trotz loves him. I mean, oh. and he's and he's a good team leader. I'll give him that. But I don't think I don't think we're going to miss him as much as people think that we're going to miss him. I really don't. The loss of Pajot, in my opinion, is more important or uh, is going to be more harmful than Anders Lee. It's it's a it's a bigger impact losing Jean Gabriel Pajot than than Anders Lee is. I think what you're trying to argue. My portion is this here. You know, Jean-Gabriel Pajot has brought out the best of Oliver Wallstrom. He definitely has. And that third line has been producing and scoring. Even before Oliver Wallstrom got hot, Jean-Gabriel Pajot had a time period where he had eight goals in, I think, eight games. Where he had seven goals in an eight-game span. I cannot remember off the top of my head. And as soon as he started to die off a little bit on the goal train, Oliver Wallstrom did immediately picked up. He had finally found the confidence. He had finally found his groove, and he started to perform as well. I will tell you this much. Circling back to everything, I'm happy that Kiefer has taken advantage of his opportunity. When a coach goes out there to the media and says that was his chance, it could be a little demoralizing. Obviously, it's motivated him, and I'm glad it has. A lot of athletes and a lot of competitors, that type of stuff motivates them. I've never been a big believer, though, in saying anything like that to the press about a rookie. People tell me it was Al Arbor-like. You need to go back and watch some of Al Arbor's interviews. I cannot remember ever. And again, I did not have a chance to pull up every single interview post-game and pre-game that Al Arbor has ever done, but I never remember Al Arbor taking it to a rookie and saying, that was his opportunity, that was his chance, we expect more of him. He's been in all the practices, he's been in the meetings, we expect more than that. I don't recall Al Arbor ever doing that. And again, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to have to rely, maybe I'll just trust you, but I'm going to have to rely on you, Grumpy, and other people who had watched every single Al Arbor interview during that time period. Okay. Okay. I view Al Arbor and those Islanders from the 1980s, admittedly, with rose-colored glasses. I do. When you're younger, that's what you do. But I don't remember Al Arbor coming out in the press and ripping players. And I guess the problem that I have with Barry Trotz isn't the fact that he rips players in the press. It's the fact that he only rips certain players in the press, and they all have the same thing in common. They're all young players. I, they're always the young guys. He never rips the veterans in the press, no matter how crappy they play. To be fair and honest, he did earlier on this year rip Cal Clutterbuck for taking that shot up high on Varlamov. No, he we did. didn't. He, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. He never mentioned Cal Clutterbuck by name. He never mentioned him by name. Never. He never mentioned him by name. The only guys he mentions by name, Barzal, Bellows. 
any of the young guys make a mistake, they mention it by name. And I'll tell you what, they follow it right up on the broadcast. Butch does the same thing. Nelson made a couple of really bad a pass right into the slot. And it's like, well, they kind of blew it off. Well, you can't really make that pass. If that was Wallstrom, what do you think they would have said? They would have absolutely shredded that kid. If it was Bellows, he would have got benched. I mean, that's just the way they are. It's the way it's okay. I have this, and you know how much I think that Barry Trot is a great coach. And the fact that he's the reason why the team is where it's at with the system he plays. Okay. But here's the thing if he was that great a coach, why didn't Washington make any effort to keep him after they won the Stanley Cup? They wanted to get rid of him. The only reason they won that cup, the only reason, people, anyone who's listening, the only reason that the Washington won that cup was because Alex Ovechkin bought in and they incorporated some of Trotz's system. They had the talent. It was the talent that won them that cup. It wasn't the Barry Trotz system. And I'm going to say something else. This is now the thing. This is just the way it is. This is just the way it is. Coaches do not win games. No coach has ever won a game. Barry Trotz has never been out there. I've never seen him stop a shot. I've never seen him score a goal. I've never seen him play defensive coverage. You want to know what? The coach can put a system in place. If the players don't execute, the team doesn't win. You can see even with Barry Trotz's system, right? All the Slurpees all say, Barry Trotz, yo, and Lou and Barry Retrust, they're gods. Well, I'm going to tell you what. When the games, when the Islanders don't play that system, we get rolled. That's what happens. You have to play the system. The players have to execute. It's not the coach. It's the players. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt. Because you know what? The greatest of all time, he's the reason why the Patriots were winning all Well, the hold, hold on. Not what, shirt, what shirt are you wearing for people who don't watch the video, who are not watching the live stream and don't watch the video on YouTube? It's a Brady Goat shirt. Tom Brady Goat shirt. And here's the thing. I think Bill Belichick is also the greatest coach. That's that there's ever been. But what happens when you don't have the best player of all time for your team? You go into a tailspin and a spiral. Coaches don't win games, people. They never win games. Okay. There's a lot to unpack because you went on a tirade. I will tell you this much. Coaches put in the system and they have the game plan. For certain they do. The actual execution on the players determine the results of the game as well as in tandem with the game plan. Uh, you know, admittedly so. I will tell you this. You went on a tirade, Grump, and there were so many different points. I'd be quite honest. I don't know. I don't know, Grump. Hey, I don't know. You just you just wouldn't stop. You got me worked up. What can I tell you? Well, I Grump, mean, I really – I really. You start this social media thing. What were the people on social media saying to you? What type of things were they saying to you? I'm interested. Oh, I'm biting. All, all, the thing is, it was all over the place. And, you know, whether it's, hey, Barry Trotz is a god, trust him, he's got a cup, how many cups do you have? You know, when people start saying stuff like that, I've got no problem, whatever. They're just trying to quote from authority rather than to actually discuss the content of the post. And people took that as me taking a personal stab at Barry Trotz. Look at it. I think Barry Trotz is a great coach, excellent coach. He's brought stability to the New York Islanders organization and the franchise that we have not seen since the likes of Al Arbor's time. For certain he has. I will also tell you this. He makes mistakes. And I'm going to tell you one thing. As many people that think that that is a calculated move by Barry Trotz to say that to Kiefer Bellows to the press are idiots. It doesn't make sense. I have not seen anybody who could discuss and actually give me a logistic reason as to why this was 4D chess or a mastermind plan. Again, in order to believe that this was 4D chess, you had to think after he tore Kiefer Bellows, he always planned on putting him back in during that 11-game stretch where he didn't even come close to sniffing the ice. And we threw out Leo 
Komarov back out there on a time period. When was he going to put Kiefer Bellows back on the ice if Anders Lee didn't get injured? The, the answer to that question is he wouldn't have for another two or three months. So, I, I mean, like, it wasn't a mastermind plan. And even if you wanted to give him the whip, do it behind closed doors. I always found, again, like, being a player at a high level, if you take the player behind closed doors and you have a chance to actually speak with them on a one-on-one situation, they it's more receptive there for him. And I'm sure he did that also to Kiefer. But we've got a lot of comments to get through. Um, I'll tell you, I think, I think he might be right. I think, hold on. I think he might be right about Jean Gabriel Pajot. He does a lot more for the team than I won't say people expect him to, but he does he does everything. He's got his hand there into the pot on the penalty kill, on the power play. He's got his hand in the pot there and helping, you know, the four lines be successful and to be contributors because I'm not sure how much that third line's gonna contribute without John Gabriel Pajot on it. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be nothing. I mean, Jarnak looked totally out of his element. Komrov is useless. He, I don't He's less than useless, honestly. He tried to mix it up a little bit with Subban today. I mean, he's just – it's like, what are you even out there for? You know what they should use? It? He should be the guy who hands the pucks to the referees, you know, in between whistles. I mean, that's the extent of what he can do out there right now. I mean, Marco Del Cole is useless too. He's a zero. I mean, they, how many times – they put him on the first line yesterday. I mean, do you really expect a Ham and Egger fourth liner who can't score to be on the first line? Give the Bellas – it just it's the, the frustrating part is Bellows and Wallstrom, both of them, the young guys, are top six type players. And they shackle them on the third line when you got guys who are on that second line in particular. One guy, you know who I'm talking about. Everyone knows. Who, who, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who are you talking you know, about? Bro? You know, you know who I'm talking about. My favorite little whipping boy, the guy who couldn't get a shot up if it's of his life, a wide open net, can't get fucked, get more than two inches off the ice. That's right, Josh Bailey. And here's the thing. I'm going to give Bailey some credit today. He did attempt to take shots, and as I'm watching him take those shots, I'm like, just continue passing, Josh, because your shots suck. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a, he is so bad. I can't even tell you how bad it is. Matter of fact, even Butch had to say, oh, boy, you know, you need to stand in a certain position. This guy's been in the league, what, 10 years, 12 years? And he still doesn't know what foot you what foot you should be shooting the puck off of? Stop. I'm going to jump in there. He also mentioned, because people forget, I mean, he did have a goal against the Devils on Saturday. But remember, that's his goal for March. I mean, he's got three goals so far in the season. They're all spread out one month apart, January, February, and now March. I will tell you this. He did have that chance. Blackwood robbed him because he didn't get the puck up, and it was another similar situation here today. Um, so definitely, if you had the scoring touch, I feel like you put those a little more in the net a little more often. I mean, because the net was wide open for those opportunities. We still won those games, which is all that matters, though. I could have scored that goal. No bullshit. I could have scored that goal. That he missed, I could have scored that. That's wide open. That is absolutely – I could have scored that goal. Here's the thing. He had an assist today on the Nelson goal. And here's the thing. I'm glad Nelson shot the puck anyway. You're seeing the young guy shooting the puck is maybe starting to rub off on some of these players. Because, like I said, Bailey was actually taking shots. That I don't know if Trot said, hey, Josh, you know, we can't go on your one shot every three games thing. You have to try to shoot it a little bit more, Josh, buddy. You know, we want to get you that contract extension. You're going to have to shoot more than once a week. Uh, but he got an assist on the Nelson goal. That I don't even know how it was. Nelson, Paletti, bouncing off the board, shooting at this, shooting at that. Somehow, Bailey got an assist. I mean, 40 seconds after the fact. That's why he is the king of the secondary assist. He had absolutely nothing to do with the play. He was okay. just He's the human sidecar. 
All right, I'm going to interrupt you here. I will tell you, what a weak goal to let in. By Blackwood there, as time was expiring, they wanted being like one second or a little over one second left there to end the first period. I Obviously, I was enthralled that the Islanders were able to take advantage of that. But how many times do the Islanders give up a goal in the closing seconds of a period? I was shocked that we were able to execute and put the puck in the net there as the, closing, as the, as the period was dying down at the first. It was a lucky goal. It was a lucky goal. But you know yeah. what, Hazel, that's why you shoot the puck, because crazy things happen when you shoot the puck. You look at our power play today, it's back to a slog. You got Bailey and Letty just – even Butch had to say something today, right? Boy, it doesn't – you know, sometimes you just got to kind of go with it. I'm just like, my God, shoot the – do something. I mean, no wonder what – the devil's just stand there. We defend ourselves when those two guys are out there on the ice. No risk No risk of Bailey shooting the puck. Can we, can we also talk about – the luck. I'll tell you. I mean, it wasn't luck, admittedly. So I will say though, we were like, "Oh man, can the Devils not catch a break?" As soon as PK Supan scored that goal, I was not paying close enough to attention to notice right off the bat that he was offsides and it was an offside position. I just thought I was shaking my head. I'm like, "Man, the Islanders lost in three on three. Wow, I'm shocked." I was like, "This is a weird way to have the winning streak come to an end." And uh, great job making sure they spotted that. And man. Those Devils just cannot catch a break because even though it didn't have any impact on the goal scored, he was offsides. And, uh, oof, those Devils just cannot catch a break. Yeah, I actually, I thought the game was over after Nelson scored right at the end of the second period. You just saw the, oh, the whole Devils team deflected. And, you know, credit to them. They came back. They played hard in the third period. I thought we only played hard, hard in spurts today. But I thought they played hard, and they earned uh, that that one point today, without a doubt. Nice fire hydrant. Uh, but uh, for certain, uh, they played they played better in the third period, I thought, than we did overall, honestly. Towards down the stretch, I thought we did well defending them. Uh, but for the most part, uh, Jersey maybe de- de- deserved that game. And it was be- and once again, in that overtime, I don't know what the hell Nelson was doing. I, it's like – what do you, he's kind of, he already had the goal, but man, he was, I thought overall, he was not good today. And I don't know if it's him trying to do too much. Um, but I mean, I just, I was really disappointed in his play. And Bailey, because well, I, again, like it's worth noting in, I think Brock Nelson has been stepping up his game as of late, especially he took a substantial leap from his play at the beginning of the season there to what we've seen as of recent and as of late. Albeit though, Today's game was like he reverted back to the Bailey we had saw during the first half of the season. He did score a goal, but I mean, I'm happy to put the puck on that. But, I mean, in reality, it was a lucky goal. That was a Freudian slip. You said Bailey. It's Nelson. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I thought he picked it up a little bit um, just recently. I certainly – and I, I mentioned that, that his last number of goals were snipe goals. It seemed like he had more jump. And as I've mentioned previously, I thought maybe he had some type of little niggling injury that was giving him a hard time, not enough to keep him out of the lineup. Uh, but enough to uh, maybe hamper his game a little bit. But when Bavillier came back, that's when everything started clicking for that second line, with the exception of Josh Bailey, though, of course. Gotcha. I want to mention, you mentioned a fire hydrant. Next podcast, there should be some There should be some items on this, pod, on this fire hydrant, some Islander-themed items, as some people had mentioned there in the past. We've got some comments I want to get to. I know we've kind of talked about it. You think Jean-Gabriel Pajot is going to be a bigger loss than Anders Lee. Trust me, we are going to cover 
what we think or who we think would be ideal to have there through a possible trade to replace Andrews Lee here for the remainder of the season. And it's going to be interesting, right? You could take one or two approaches. You can look either for a rental short-term type item, or you can look for a guy with cap that's on a relatively uh, manageable contract. Um, I think as we continue to see things unfold and transpire, we'll find out what the Islanders necessarily are looking for. I do not think they can go in before the trade deadline say what we have is perfectly fine. I think they do need to do something to address it at the trade deadline. We do have some comments. David C. saying, share the show on my Facebook, The Isles Misery. Thank you there, David. Uh, we got a comment from Alexander saying, TJ and Grumpy, how are you guys doing? Josh Bailey almost cost us the game instead of just trying to put it in the net or trying to put it on that. He is what he is. He is what he is. I, like I said, the expansion draft can't come soon enough for me. Uh, uh, you know, when we get there, uh, he's, he's certainly nobody I'd ever protect. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. And he's even, oh, he couldn't believe he didn't score that shot. was a wide open net. He's beating himself up about it. He knows he should do better. Dude, you've been in the league 12 years, 13 years, okay? that You are what you are at this point. You shouldn't be upset. I expect it from you. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Tommy that, that was a hideous turnover. A guy who, okay, the force field comes up at the blue line because I see somebody, and you, or at the red line, and you turn the puck over. Like, yikes. Mm. Yeah. Tommy Baffy saying, hello, TJ and Gom. Hey, Tommy. And Scott Levy also chiming in there. Uh, Tom P saying, Josh Bailey sucks. Right off the bat. And then David C, before you even talked about it, Grump, another secondary assist from Josh Bailey. I, 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 remember, I remember because I was a little bit behind – uh, so it popped up on my phone that the Islanders scored in the last couple. I was like, I don't know, like 15 seconds. My wife asked me to do something. So I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen in the last 30, 55 seconds. So I put the, the, the TV on pause and I ran out. Didn't, I'm like, oh, they scored. Wonderful. And I'm watching. I'm watching the lines. I'm like, just don't tell me it's Bailey. Don't tell me somehow it's Bailey. And it's Nelson. Great. And I said, Assist from Bailey. I'm like, how is that an assist from Bailey when he didn't touch the puck for like 40 seconds? Hold on. Did you say don't tell me it's Josh Bailey? What is that supposed to mean? Because it doesn't feed my narrative. <laughs> my narrative works much better when he plays like he normally does. See, so at least you have the introspective <laughs> to know that you're biased there against Josh Bailey. Absolutely. I've watched him too long not to be. If you watch Josh Bailey for a long time, there's no way you come away enamored with his with his uh, ability on the ice. Absolutely no way. So you're trying to tell me Josh Bailey's not an elite winger? No, please, please. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, just, I'm just playing and hamming it up there. Probably. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Whoever says Josh Bailey is an elite winger, uh, they obviously don't watch the game. <laughs> uh, Frank K saying another brick in the wall, standing there for Wallstrom, and Bellows looks great. I'm going to tell you what, Frank is really imaginative. He comes up with a lot of stuff like that. I like it. Uh, I love I love the Pink Floyd reference, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Feinblum saying lots of positive, but can we talk about how awful Bailey is? Yeah, he's not good. I'm sorry. He's not. And I, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't come on here wanting to rip Josh Bailey. The thing that makes me, drives me crazy about Bailey for the most part is people who think when, like, he has five assists in three games that he's the greatest thing ever. They ignore the other 40 games where he has no points and say he's fantastic. It's really the people, not Josh Bailey himself. He's just – he is what he is, in my opinion, and it's always been this way. 
He's a good third line player. That that's what he is. And I've said that, TJ, you know that. I've said that for years and years with him. If he was on the third line, I have no problem with him. It's the fact that they that he's they somehow keep on putting him on the first line or on the second line. He just doesn't produce enough. I'm sorry. Well, your point has always been, and I think always will remain to be, that on a really good team on the Tampa Bay Lightning or a team that's a real Stanley Cup competitor and contender, you know, the top dog, would Josh Bailey be in a top six role? Is always the question. And it always comes back to the same answer. Probably not. He would more be, you know, a guy that, that teams might make a trade for at the trade deadline, and he'd be rolled in there into, like, strengthening the third line, where he's a little too good to be on the third line, but, you know, top six, uh, I'm not so sure all the time. He's so I think that's always be been your point. Yeah, he's not too good to be on a third line. He's a third-line player. That's what he is. He's a third-line player. Masquerading as a second-liner. Right. If we had more talent, here's the thing. With the way the young guys are playing – if they continue this, there's no way he should be a second-line player. Absolutely no way. They're better than he is. They are better than he is. We got I'm we got sorry. some it's, – it's funny. It's funny you mention all these comments. I'm finally just getting to the comments. Vinny Smith, who gives me an update every single game just about, telling me as to what the Josh Bailey report was and how he did and performed. He said, watch the Bailey assist on Nelson's goal. I was closer to get an assist than Bailey was. He was never near the puck. That's one of those things. I guess, you know, when you're that's on the ice and off there, it happens. That's why he's the king of the secondary assist. He doesn't have anything to do with the play at all. The puck bounces off him, and it goes to somebody else who throws it to somebody else who makes a fantastic play goal. Oh, Josh Bailey, the human sidecar. Yeah, he had an assist, secondary assist. We have Tommy Baffey. This is an important question, Grump. Can the grumpy old man do a split like Sorokin? If I was in a car accident – a really bad one. Yes, I could do that. But normally, without you know something catastrophic happening to me, no. I will tell you too. When we were jawing back and forth there, and again, I was, I was, I was partaking in some civil discourse. It's funny you mentioned that little comment. You, I know you're shaking your head. You, you're not a big fan of social media at all whatsoever, which is why I handle all of it. People were trying to come at the podcast saying that, oh, is it a boring and generic response like XYZ? And I just couldn't help but think to myself, I'm like, this podcast for the Islanders is anything but boring and generic. And I'm like, I know you have never even listened to the podcast because it is, it's anything but boring and generic. <laughs> okay, this is not the Pollyanna podcast, people. So let me ask you a question. These little computer geeks – who sit there in their mom's basement, I mean, and we're saying these things. Have they ever listened to our podcast? I have to ask that question. I didn't even really bother entertaining those type of responses, but I did get removed off a of Facebook page for not agreeing with the sycophants. So moving along, though, okay. uh, Alexander saying, Grumpy as a Dolphins fan, oh, that sorry. is an ugly shirt. But trust when you <laughs> – but trust when you're paying the refs off, of course you're going to win, LOL. He's probably still living in the day now. I'm just looking at the picture. So he hasn't been alive since the Dolphins have been relevant, obviously. Um, probably Dan Marino is probably his favorite player. But he certainly does remember when they've won anything, that's for certain. And I understand he's, that Alexander is a little bit unhappy. Um, but Tom Brady, I mean, you have to admit it, he's the greatest player who ever played the game of football, certainly best quarterback. And the Dolphins were actually a team that uh, gave the Patriots a, a lot of trouble when he was there. You know, they play those games in December. It's like 90 degrees in Miami and them coming from New England. They always win one every year. But when it really counted, no, sorry. 
All right, moving along past your Tom Brady love here. I will tell you this much. Speaking on it, as a Giants fan, never hated Brady because he never beat us in the Super Bowl. So I don't have the hatred that I'm sure other franchises and organizations do have towards their Tom Brady number 12. Uh, Michael is saying, power went out mid-third. Watch the stream from my game. I'll tell you, um, you didn't miss much in the third period except a little scare here or there. And uh, over time... The game was a slog. For the most part, the game was a slog. I thought the last two games really. The Devils are bad people, and they hung with us, which is not a harbinger. It's not a good harbinger of things to come this week. I don't feel. Hmm. Yeah, Scott L saying to beat the teams they needed to. Now they get to the meat and potatoes part of, of the meat of the schedule with games against Washington, Philly, and the Rangers. Let's see how they respond to these teams while battling the injury and the COVID bug. I'll tell you, we're going to know really, really quickly as to what everything looks like. As as well and as hot as we've been, Anders Lee is a big piece on our team. Noah Dobson's a big piece on our team. Jean Gabriel Pachot is a big piece on our team. I know we're able to uh, right the ship and float the boat, per se, in today's game. But when you're playing teams like Washington, you're playing teams like Philadelphia, uh, it's a little tougher. Any type of mistake you make is going to be – it's going to be executed against. It's going to be magnified when you're playing those teams of better talent and quality. Yeah, Washington's really good. Washington's really good. They handled us with ease when they had their COVID scare earlier. I mean, with ease, missing five guys. You know, three of the three of their top four pl- five players were out, and it's like, and they handled us. I just, they're Washington's really good this year. I, I don't think we're going to beat Washington, and I hate Philadelphia. Uh, everyone knows that. Well, I don't. Oh, I, I want. I, I want to interrupt. I want to interrupt. Think about this. When Washington had their COVID scare, they had players on COVID protocol. Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Samsonov, as well as Dmitry Orlov. Four big pieces of their team. Starting goalie, best player on the team, another unbelievable forward there in Kuznetsov, and Orlov, a top four defenseman. They were all out for that time period, and we did not manage a single win against them. Again, different portion, different time of the schedule. I will tell you. I will be interested to see how we fare with players. Who's to say that there might not be more players that trickle out that have had contact? Because Noah Dobson was out there on the ice in pregame warmups. Yeah. As he, as they pulled him off, I said, well, actually, now you got to be out there for COVID protocol. I wonder if it's one of those items where he was feeling a little under the weather. Maybe he tested negative, but they wanted to take him out just to be careful. So I'm not sure exactly how the protocol works or what the test result came back with, but – it wouldn't be far fetched to think then if Bell, if Noah Dobson was out there on the ice and he's you know been deemed now as needing to go to COVID protocol, maybe he was able to go ahead and get in contact. Maybe another Islander member who's going to show up as COVID protocol will be coming down the pipeline. Well, or maybe they found out that he maybe it's just a contact tracing thing that somehow he was with JG Pajot, who was already ruled out, um, and that that's what I'm hoping it is. It's just like a contract tracing thing. Con, not contract, contact, 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 tracing thing where they were in, where maybe Pajot was in contact with someone who tested positive and then he had lunch or something or he drank out of the same water bottle as Noah Dobson. Who knows? But that, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. We got a few comments here. David C. saying Grump, the $6 million man is playing like a $10 million man. He does have five goals and four assists so far this season. He's got the touch. I will tell you, albeit some of those goals were quite odd. I mean, like, I, obviously the headshot goal in the net is probably the, the one I'm most infatuated with. I mean, just threw the puck, even if it was from a terrible angle. He could put it in the net. Hey, man, throw the puck towards the net and good things happen. Without a doubt. 
shoot the puck, shoot the puck. Uh, I think actually he's played a little bit better recently, uh, Matt Martin. I, I certainly think that he has. Um, I think that line's picked it up a little bit in the last uh, couple of weeks. I think they're playing much better, which is good because they were terrible early on. Uh, and we're going to need them. I mean, I think, you know, just going back to the stretch of teams we're going to be playing with the amount of people that we have out, I think we have to just really focus on playing our game and playing our style, not trying to do too much. And I thought we saw that from Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey. When you see Josh Bailey shooting the puck, okay, something's wrong. Except on the power play, of course. He'll never shoot on the power play. Being facetious, he did actually take a couple shots on the power play. Gotcha. You know, when they stay, if you stay within your game, it gives you a better chance of succeeding as opposed to trying to do too much. Okay. Gotcha here. Uh, Grump here. We got to hear Tommy Baffy saying, uh, we don't know if he's at the rest of the season talking about Andrews Lee. And again, like when you're placed there on long-term injury, that means at least 10 games. That were to mean that with the prog- or with the uh, prognosis of his injury, they expect him to at least be out two weeks, if not more. I look at it like this. I, if you're going to be out for a substantial amount of time, uh, and even if it's a groin injury, even if it's an injury he's able to pop back from, that's one of those niggling injuries that when you come back and technically you're ruled as, hey, I can play, you're still not 100% when you come back there. It's going to take a little bit of time until you're like, okay, you know, I feel a little tweak or a little stretch here. So who knows what the end prognosis is going to be? I guess I'm more cynical. I think that it's probably going to be a year-long thing. I, I could definitely be wrong. We're going to find out really quick to see if the Islanders are calling up and hitting up the phones of other general managers. This would be a perfect time for Lou Lamarillo to give you a call there on the landline of the Rotary, but it's been dry. What's going on? Uh, I'm not surprised. I've already told him what I think he should do, but I don't think he's got the guts to do it. So he probably won't. Uh, I, the one thing that he might not be out for the rest of the season, and it's not two weeks. If you go on long-term injury, you're going to miss a minimum of 10 games. I mean, I said a minimum of 10 games. I looked at the next 10 games. It comes out to be about like a mid-April, early April. My thing is this. That's two, almost three weeks. If that's the case, even if it's a groin injury, and we have no idea what type of injury it is, I think it's maybe D, maybe it's groin. I'm not sure. I think it's going to keep him out for substantial time. My biggest portion is this. If we're towards the meaty portion of the schedule and we need – a little bit more of offensive pop and touch because, like, albeit Bellis has played well, he's taken his opportunity and run with it. We have no earthly idea what the next two or three weeks of production looks like from him. We don't, to be quite frank. I think it's going to continue, and I hope it does continue in the right direction. He showed that he can perform in a top six role, but in very limited amount of a sample size. My thing is, and Butch mentioned it today, he mentioned it early, uh, you know, the fact that you know, why Wallstrom and Dobson have continued to progress as players is the fact that they were just put in the lineup and they knew they were going to play every single game. So if you make one mistake or a couple of mistakes or a couple of errors, you're not going to get yanked out like Bellows was, uh, you know, and just sent down to oblivion and only brought back, brought back, uh, brought back in the case of injury. So, and that's so it gives these guys a chance to grow into their roles because Wallstrom wasn't perfect when he first started out, but they let him play through some of those things. And hopefully they give Bellows the same opportunity. And if Dobson is going to be out for any period of time, they let Aho do the same thing. The one thing I don't want to see is to see that useless piece of garbage Hickey somehow managed to make his way on the ice. Hickey, Comrade, Bailey. Oh my God. I can't imagine. <laughs> 
Alexander saying, let's hold the phone on Bellows. Uh, we've seen this before from him. I still think he's a bust. Again, it's really early yet. I will tell you, he seems like he's having more confidence to his game. And as you mentioned here, people don't really take in the aspect from the player's side and what it's like to have confidence in your game, especially as a young player, as a rookie. doesn't matter. When you're young like that too, and you think that, okay, I'm walking on eggshells. Any mistake I make in practice, I get immediately sat down and they say, hey, you're riding the bench now. Any mistake I make in a game, oh, crap. I get benched the rest of the game. I miss three or four shifts. He tells me that's my opportunity and chance, and I sit on the bench for the next 11 games. Now with Andrews Lee out, okay, you know what I mean? I've had a chance to think about it. I've had a chance there to, to, to work on what he wants me to work on in practice. If he's afforded and given that opportunity with a little bit of a leash, it does help out a little bit. People need to look at it also from the aspect of the player. So when you have that confidence and you say, you know what, I could feel like I could play my style of game. I don't have to feel like I'm gripping the stick tight because if I make any mistake, I'm immediately sat down. And you as a former player know that, right? For, for certain. Again, that's how I was as a player. Some players come in and they are gangbusters great from the minute they walk in the door and they're always the best. Some take a little bit of time to go ahead and get their feet and their bearings underneath themselves and it does allow them to grow into a very successful player. Just all depends on the personal player. It all just depends on the person. Right. See, that's why, honestly, you know, you, you mentioned the media, the, the, the uh, cyber geeks who are, you know, saying like, You're, who are you, a GM? Here's the thing. I'm going to stick up for my boy TJ on this because they weren't GMs, and I guarantee they weren't players either. I'm going to guarantee you that. When TJ speaks from a player perspective, you really got to take that to heart because he knows what he's talking about, honestly. I, yeah, well, I, hate I do I do, I do, do appreciate that, Grump. I'll tell you, compliments do not come very often from you. Um, well, see, you didn't let me finish because I was going to say I hate to give him a compliment, but I felt I had to because I always tell the truth. Uh, gotcha. Marquet, uh, average grumpster. Oh, is that uh, – I think that's meant towards you. Um, fair enough. I think he did not like you calling him uh, average Anders or Captain Average. People take offense to that. Stuff. They don't know <laughs> – I could tell those are always people who are new there to the show. Uh, David C. TJ, where's the fire hydrant? It's here. Is it part of the show now? I'll tell you, we got some stickers. We got some decals coming on this. So uh, we'll definitely have that for a later time period. Alexander brings up Philip Forsberg. Again, yeah. we, had, we have been thinking about who would be a good choice there to have as a left winger. I think there's a lot of different options out there. I've heard names floating around there like Kyle Palmieri. I've heard maybe, hey, maybe we kick the tires on Taylor Hall if this is a long-term type thing. I mean, like we might have to offload a little bit of cap there for a short-term deal. I think the Islanders are more going to look towards probably a short-term item here. And hear me out, just based off of who they're going to expose. I don't imagine them getting rid of any of the left wings that they have there on the current roster. And like with the expansion draft, they're going to have to expose players. I really don't think Matt Martin is somebody that you have to worry about being picked up well, maybe at this pace, if he puts up 15 goals, who the hell knows? But I don't think you have to worry about Matt Martin being on the Seattle Kraken's radar of a guy they must have. I don't imagine they're going to expose Anders Lee. I don't imagine the Islanders are going to have to worry about a guy like Michael Doug Cole being plucked from the lineup or even Kiefer Bellows. I mean, like with this opportunity, you never know. But I, I think the Islanders are poor, probably more going to lean towards a, a rental rather than a guy who has term. I mean, like Philip Forsberg, now he has term. You know, you guys like Victor Arvidsson, uh, Ricard Raquel, those type of guys have term. So I, I just not sure which way the Islanders are going to going to move forward with this. I mean, they do have seven point three million in available cap space. This is all 
depending on how long and the severity of Andrews Lee's injury. If he's going to be out the rest of the year, I think they have to do something. If he's only going to be out two and a half weeks, maybe not. But, oh, I got a fly flying and zipping around here in my room here, Grump. Um, maybe you should shower more often. We had the doors open. It feels great outside. So you had the doors open earlier on today and fly guy in the house. Yeah, what are you going to do? Ahead. Go ahead. Keep on monologuing. Oh, no, I'm just going over as to what really the Adams is going to do. We're going to find out really soon as to what the severity of Anders Lee's injury is. Okay. I'm going to say I'm all in for Philip for, for Phil Forsberg. Uh, Absolutely. That is the type of guy we need. Why? I'm not looking for some short-term fix. Philip Forsberg would instantly become the second-best offensive player on our team if he came here, without a doubt. He's better than everybody but Barzell. That's it. You want to improve your team for the long haul. He's 26 years old. He's got two more years. This year and next year, it's $6 million per. That's the type of guy I want. What do I care? I would certainly protect him going into the next year. I mean, he is semi-familiar with the Barry Trotz system, right? I think he played – he was on the team for a couple of years. I'm going I'm to jump in here. Um, Grump, yeah, he is familiar somewhat there with the Barry Trotz system. He played for Barry Trotz when he was 18, 19 years old, albeit it wasn't a long time period. The first time, I think it was only eight games. Second time period was like, you know, in the teens. So it wasn't like he was playing a significant portion of games. But he is. He's got to be semi-familiar with the Barry Trotz system. He is definitely semi-familiar with him as a head coach. Um, I look at it like this, though. When he's no longer on long-term injury – what type of financial maneuvering are you going to have to do? Because you've already got to worry this offseason about signing back Pellick. You already have to worry about signing back Sorokin. You already have to worry about signing back Pavillier. Now you're saying we're going to be additionally over the cap on top of that because if you bring in a guy like Forsberg, you're not able to offload a substantial amount of cap. That's that's what that's why Lou gets paid the big bucks, right? You know what? How about culling some of the dead wood that we have on this roster? How about we we make some type of deal to dump the garbage that we have on there or put these guys on long-term injury? We can do that. I mean, Andrew Ladd should already be on long-term injury, right? That would free up some money for us. Play the young guys, get rid of some of the uh, some of the older guys who just aren't producing as much anymore. When you go into the expansion draft, you don't you don't expose any of the guys who don't make any money. You expose the guys who make money so that uh they're for so that uh the Kraken is forced to take one of them. I mean, that's a, that's what you should do. I mean, you want you want the team to be better. Phil Forsberg makes his team better, not just immediately for the long run, because he's a real talent. He'd be a first line winger for the New York Islanders, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, again, another guy who's who also is somewhat familiar there with Barry Trotz. I think that is that is important to take into uh, take into aspect here and take into uh, in the thought process. If you're bringing somebody in, you want them to have the same mindset or to have, you know, played for a coach that has a similar style of Barry Trotz. You don't want to bring in a guy who is, it's like a foreign subject for him to play, you know, that Barry Trotz style of hockey where I need you back checking, where I need you doing XYZ. I need the structure to be there on the defensive side of the puck. I need you to sell just as hard there on the defensive side of the puck as you do on the offensive side of the puck. For a forward, sometimes it takes them a while to get used to that. But for a guy who is somewhat familiar or has experience with Barry Barry Trotz, I think that always does help bode. And I think those players are, you know, a little more highly sought after if I had to imagine there for the Adams organization. And again, this is if Anders Lee is going to be out for the rest of the season. There is a defensive aspect of the game for Phil Forsberg. That's why I like him. 
like I know people are saying, what about Taylor Hall? I just don't think he's a fit here. And you're right. Players are going to have to fit into this system without a doubt. Uh, I mean, that's why I'm not looking at Hall or, you know, Sam Bennett or some of these guys for some really garbage teams. And you say, yeah, Forsberg plays for Nashville's not real good this year, but Nashville's parentally been a good team. Um, and he's but, and he's been a part of those national teams that were competing for Stanley Cups. So it's not, so I do I do understand it. I do understand it here. We got a few comments here. Uh, Scott L saying Barry needed to sit Bailey for a few shifts after that giveaway to Hughes in the second. But we all know he will not sit him. Um, if Barzal had that giveaway, he would have sat to at least the third period. Scott and that and that's my problem with Barry Trotz right there. That comment in a nutshell is my problem with Barry Trotz. Certain he doesn't treat everybody the same. If you and that was that was my initial comment. If you rip everybody in the press, well, you know what? I'm cool with it because that's just your style. You might not agree with it, but you're the same with everybody. But when you rip young guys and you let the sacred cows of the team and don't say anything when they do something poorly, and Bailey was poor today, and I didn't hear his post game interview, but I'm going to guarantee you he didn't come out and rip Bailey or Nelson today. I'm going to guarantee. And, and another example as to why that is, um, is Leo Komarov, right? During that time period, he had yeah. a hideous first game back, took a five-minute major, uh, went ahead and didn't mark his man on the way back, gave up a goal against. He said, yeah, he's got oh, a long yeah. leash, he's a vet. He's got a long leash, he's a veteran. You know what I mean? We just got to let him play through it, et cetera. It's just, again, it treats everybody differently. I have no problem at all what you do behind closed doors. Some players need a carrot, some players need the whip. Treat players somewhat equal there to the media in the press. Being a guy I never liked if coach was over there, if he's given an interview about me and he says, oh, yeah, TJ does X, Y, Z well, but, you know, he had that holding penalty. Shit like that always rubbed me the wrong way. So, again, like, and it rubs a lot of players the wrong way. <laughs> a lot of players love and respect Barry. Barry's a great and excellent coach. Again, what? Brought huge amounts of stability to the outers, the franchise organization. First time we've seen this since the Al Arbor days. But when we see an issue, when I see a mistake, I'm not just going to sit on my hands and say, well, I'm turning a blind eye to that. Sorry, I'm not a sycophant. I'm not a supporter that everything somebody does is 100% correct. Not who I am. And I consider you a Pollyanna fan for certain. That's what that's what I think about you. I mean, because you're – I mean, here's the thing. I I'm sure not. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not a Pollyanna fan. I mean, I'm realism uh, with a little bit of hyperbole thrown in too. A little bit, a little bit hyperbolic. There was some realism. I, for the most part, towed the company line. But when I see something I don't support, I'm going to mention it. Um, Brian J saying, "Hey guys, good news. Islanders win. Bad news. Lee is out. Got production from the young guys though. Sorokin scares me. I thought he would be more than this. Yeah, He's I will. T- Go ahead. He he still has issues with uh, rebound control." And that cost, that was the, I don't, I think it was the second goal where he kicked it right out into the slots. Like, ugh, I mean, were you Brock Nelson or Josh Bailey kicking it out there into the slot? Um, was, uh, he, needs, he needs to work. He, yeah, Mayfield too. That's right. Mayfield did it in the third period. Yes, he did. He needs, he needs to be better at directing those shots into the corners. I'm going to tell you what, Roberto Luongo had the same issues, not to this extent, but he had issues when he first came into the league with rebound control. And it's something that Sorokin just has to work on because he made a couple of saves again today doing the splits, particularly in the shootout that not everybody makes. 
but he needs he does need to get better at rebound control. I even have that jotted down. Rebound control, rebound control, rebound control. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and uh, we got another comment here uh, from Jeff Feinblum saying, if Jean-Gabriel Pajot is out, that will hurt big time. So, yeah, definitely will out there on the COVID protocol. And, again, if he tested positive there for COVID, he's at least going to miss there. What is it, two weeks they need him? So it's going to at least be, I think, like nine-some-odd games. Um, well, if you include today, it might be ten. So, I mean, again, like that's this is a guy you definitely don't want out. And it's, it's funny, right? My initial take on Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I thought we overpaid for him. Um, I definitely did. I mean, like to give up uh, <laughs> to give up what we did there for the third line center last year at the trade deadline. It was kind of less in my head, you know, give him five million dollars a year. He does so much more than what you'd expect, though, from a third line center. He's only got two points less than Anders Lee does. You're aware of that as a third line guy. So he's not playing the minutes that uh, that Lee played. I mean, he does get double shifted because he's just that good. And you know, I've always been a fan of his, even in Ottawa. I thought it was a little bit of an overpay for a rental, honestly, uh, but it's worked out. And considering the way Lou drafts, well, you know what? We might as well trade all of our draft picks. Hmm. Uh, Paul D. saying, now we can go via the waiver wire without giving up assets to acquire someone a la Brett Connolly. Well, it's it's like I'm going to shoot for the moon guy. I really am because Here, – oh, Here's my question, Paul, and a question for everybody. The Islanders' window is somewhat finite. We have the young guy stepping up and performing, which is good. Why the hell would I say, you know what, I'm good to throw a guy like Brett Conley in there? Is Brett Conley a top six forward that I'm not aware of? We need to look for a guy who's a top six guy. Anders Lee, as much as Grump calls him average Anders, you have to look for a guy who's going to fill that role. You can't say, hey, Kiefer, you know, as much as you have been performing well, we expect you to go ahead and perform at a top six level night in and night out from a guy you said he had his chance and bench him for 11 games in a row. You have to be looking at a guy who's a top six forward. My personal opinion, Brett Connolly doesn't fill that role. He does have experience, though, with Barry Trotz. Right. He's a third-line player at this stage of his career. That's just what he is. He's played in the Barry Trotz system. But the whole thing is, if you – anything, I don't even know what it would cost to get Forsberg, but it's certainly worth investigating – to find out what you could possibly do, right? So let's say you go and you pick up Forsberg. What does it do? It makes the fact that when Anders Lee does come back, it strengthens your whole team, right? When you get a top player, even guys who are, who are at the top right now and maybe are at the top, line, it just makes your second and third line stronger because all the – what do I always say, Right. Uh, high tide lifts all boats, and that's that's the way I feel with that. Go shoot for the moon. You're 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 right, TJ. Our window is finite. Let's be in it to win it. We're right now number one in the East Division. I don't think it's going to end the season number one in the East Division. We're a team that's definitely going to be a playoff caliber team. We're a team that's competing for Stanley Cups. That's what we need to do. Adding a guy, we have to look to add a top six guy. That is the important portion. If Andrews Lee's out long term, we have to add a top six guy. My opinion. I mean, you can't because if not, Brett Connolly's a step down from Anders Lee. So what you've ideally done is you've gone ahead and taken a step backwards after losing Anders Lee, assuming your team is a hundred percent healthy, nobody else gets injured. So that's I how would, I look at it. We got a comment here from Patrick V here, Grump. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just will say that Connolly is a step up from Michael Del Cole and Leo Komarov, though. So. If you're going to play around with it and you have additional space and you say, hey, I can go ahead and try to pick up a guy like Brett Connolly to go ahead and replace Michael Del Cole or uh, a Leo Komarov in addition, sure, fine. That's if that's what you feel is what it's going to take in order to be successful. But with the way Kiefer Bellows has played, why the hell not give him a shot at the third line? 
and I was going to say, and so was Kiefer Bellows when you, you know, when you, comp- you know, if Lee comes back, when you compare him to Del Cole and Komarov. But honestly, he's, he's doing fine on the first line, honestly. I'm sporting my fire hydrant. You're not drinking any of your purple drink today. What's going on? It's right here. <laughs> he's got his purple drink. Patrick V saying, why Komarov is still in the lineup? This guy can't even uh, can't even score in an open net. Uh, that's pretty bad. Bello scores three goals in two games. Dale Cole has none. Bailey still sucks. I can't understand why the Islanders on the power play or even the penalty kill are just dancing around and never shoot the puck. You're right, Grumpy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and sometimes, you know, that's what I'm here for because, you know, some people don't watch the game as intently as I do because, and I'm just here to educate. I mean, and then when you notice, it's like, holy crap, he's right. You know, usually he's just, you know, he's just shouting incoherent things into the, into the, into the super space, wherever we are here. To the web. Yeah, whatever. He just, you know, he's just ridiculous. And, but you know what? There is a method to his madness. I mean, that's kind of the way I look at it. And I see, you know, it's so obvious to me how bad he is. He's just, like I said, a sidecar, the king of the secondary assist. Those names, you know, you earn those names. That's not just something you pull out of a book. You earn those names. Uh, Brian J saying, what's with Butch's eyes? Looks like he's hitting the bong right before the game. Yeah, he, he looked Maybe little- it's allergies. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe it's a scratch in his eyes a lot. Maybe he needs some eye drops. I don't know. No, I would have like AJ needs to run a comb through his hair. Maybe, maybe Butch needs some eye drops there before the game. If it was 45, 50 years ago, I would have said, you know, it's probably, you know, the, the stuff they were spewing into the air as soon as you went into New Jersey. They had all those uh, mosquito trucks, those, those plants that they were spewing hideous stuff into the air. Hmm. Paul D saying you got smoked on Facebook last night, TJ. I'll tell you like this, Paul, as I told everybody else. Could someone explain to me how Barry Trotz was playing 4D chess after he went ahead and went through the long charade there? Can anybody explain to me how Barry Trotz was playing 4D chess? There's nobody out there that can conv- convince me that Barry Trotz intended on putting Kiefer Bellows back into the lineup. We saw over that 11-game time period when Bellows was not in the lineup, he played Leo Komarov three different times over that occasion. So he rolled the dice and said, up, Leo Komarov, up, Leo Komarov, up, Leo Komarov. When was he going to put Bellows back in? He, the proverbial fire lit under his ass was never going to get a chance to be shown if, we, if Anders Lee didn't get injured. So, again, this is just a stroke of luck rather than a stroke of genius. There's nothing you can do. And if somebody can't, go ahead and try to explain it to me. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how people could think that this is Barry Trotz's genius. I think it was he needs to whip, quite obviously. Would have done it in behind closed doors. It worked out well for the Islanders. It was not a stroke of genius, though. So stroke of luck. I mean, you listened to last night, and he wasn't effusive with any praise for Bellows after the game. Well, we he have to see. Well, but yeah, but we have to see if you can keep it up. He was never playing the kid. Let me ask you a question. You said that. Did anyone give you? I'm going to even answer your question. Did any of the neo fights out there actually answer that question that you posed? No. As soon no. as I started hitting with a lot of those, and, and, talking about. Stop, stop. You weren't on social media. So as soon as we go ahead and start getting those grump, because you are not there, so I'll just let you know. As soon as we start doing this, they just got banned from the page, which is completely fine. I will tell you this though. I cannot see anybody who can reason and tell me how this was 4D chess. And it doesn't make sense. Any type of way, if you're taking it from a critical thinking aspect, 
to think it was a 4D chess or a mastermind, you would have had generally to think, genuinely to think that Barry Trotz was putting him back into the lineup. So we can see how that move has flourished and how he went ahead and the fire lit under his ass proved to be successful. He was never getting put into the lineup unless Anders Lee got hurt. So again, a stroke of luck, not a stroke of genius, but moving on. Jerry saying, I'll be tuning into the podcast later. I'm busy, but cannot wait to hear what you all have to say about my two favorites. I can tell you, uh, one of those are Josh Bailey, who you've already done a significant number on today. Uh, Angela N is saying, Bailey just sucked in <laughs> and Leeds looked awful. Yeah, Letty, I tell you what, Letty, Letty. made a nice play. He made a nice play um, in the first period on a two-on-one coming back the other way. He made a really nice defensive play. But then he had one of those brain farts that he tends to have later in the game. It's like, you know, you're a 31-year-old veteran. Uh, you shouldn't be making – you shouldn't be having plays like that. But, you know, hey, Butch, ah, you know, those things happen. Yeah, okay, Butch. Keep towing that company line, boy. <laughs> Keep hitting that pipe. <laughs> explains the red eyes. Anyway, two minutes of pessimist sticking. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, can Grumpy be grumpy given that we're winning and the roster seems to be getting younger by the day? I will tell you one thing. The outlook, though, I love it. I love that Kiefer Bellows has stepped up and made the most of his opportunity. I love that Oliver Wallstrom continues to take strides and his confidence continues to grow. Before No Dobson was out, I love that he's continuing to improve on his game. Those type of things get me so excited for this team and this franchise and organization. But Grump, the question was directed towards you, so I'll let you take over. Yeah, I think I already addressed this. I'm ecstatic that the young guys are playing. I feel they should play all the time. Uh, I feel they've looked better than the veterans on this team. I'm I'm actually excited for a while. I mean, to see the young guys step up, now we just need to get the garbage off the roster to give these guys full-time slots. That's the next step. Will it happen? I don't know. Oh, God. Angela also saying, Bailey has sucked for years. <laughs> when do we get to let go? Oh, goodness gracious. It's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. He is what he is. The only thing that could save us is the expansion draft. That's it. it. Jeff saying there's no such thing as a Josh Bailey type of goal. Um, and Jerry Springer saying, why did Komroff get the nod over Michael Del Cole, grumpy old man? And what's with your, uh, what's with all of, uh, and what's your take on all these opportunities for the new Jacks? Um, also, does anyone have an update for any reason why Dobson got taken out for out? So Dobson was a COVID protocol. That's why he was taken out there. Uh, Grump, I'll let you first take over why Leo Komarov got put into the lineup over Michael Dokol. Because he's the same age as Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo. It's certainly not for his talent as a hockey player at this stage. Lou, I, let me tell you something. Leo Komarov was a good player three or four years ago. He was a, a really a quintessential third liner or fourth liner, third liner even. He was really good. He's just not that guy anymore. I mean, even when they signed him, I was against it, particularly when I saw the term, right, four years. Four years, you're signing what, 32-year-old to four years? Oh, hold on, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It seems like that's what we do all the time. You know, and I see some, oh, we got to make sure we sign Casey Zizekas back. Really? A 31-year-old fourth-line center? You feel it's necessary to sign him back? A quintessential piece to the franchise's success. He does do a very he does serve a very important role. 
albeit though, a guy who's had a lot of problems there with injuries in the past, who is continuing to get up there in age, you might want to look a little elsewhere, maybe sign him to a short-term deal. If I'm if I'm a betting man, though, I don't think we're going to sign him to a short-term deal. I think he's going to be getting probably out of maybe a three, at least a three-year long contract. Here's the way I look at it. When you have a second line winger who's probably the third most creative player on your team and a top pair defenseman and your future number one goalie all have to be resigned this, this offseason, cuts have to be made. And if that means not signing back a fourth year, 31 year old center, well, you know, that just has to happen. I'm sorry. Sometimes decisions have to be made, and you got to cut the cord with some of the older guys and give the younger guys. You meant to say a fourth line. You said fourth year, fourth line. Now we got it. Um, and then, what do you take on all these opportunities for the new Jacks? Are those, are those the new guys? Who the play? new guys, I assume. Like you know, you're playing with Jacks. It's a game, isn't it? Like with like marbles or something. Jacks. It's a game you play, isn't it? I don't know. I have to rely upon you. This is this is up your alley. I figure jacks is a game. It's like where you throw down something that bounces around between the jacks. I, I just remember New Jack City with uh, Wesley Snipes. That was a pretty good movie back in the day. Back in I think it was 1991 or something like that. That was a pretty good movie. Uh, but I'm ecstatic that the young guys are getting an opportunity. I just hope that he continues to let them play. I think Wallstrom is amazing. You know, you have a decision to make, right? We're Next year, where is Oliver Walsam going to play? What line is he going to play on? Who's Because he needs to move up in the lineup. When you have that ability, you have to play more. You have to get more ice time. So who suffers? I mean, that's you know that was the problem with you sign all these older guys to long-term deals. It It's a glut on your lineup. And then what are you going to do? Drop a guy who's making 5 or $6 million a year and drop them uh, you know, to the third line. And now you got a third line that's making like $15 million a year. I mean, it's just not good planning, uh, you know, from Lou Lamarillo's part. And I'm ecstatic the young guys are playing well. I think Bellows has shown a little bit. I was pleased with Ajo's first game back. And I think Wallstrom's just been taken off. And Dobson's been great, uh, just as good as advertised. Um, you know, I, I just I, – I hate to go on rants, but sometimes I just feel that it's necessary. Uh, I do want to touch on a couple of things uh, that I did see in this game. Um, you know, we saw that, you know, I just want to get back to Sorokin and I know that Butch was, uh, you know, touching on a little bit today during the game. And he was saying how, you know, Sorokin was too deep, uh, in his net in the shootout against, uh, I guess the guy that he played with, I forget his name. Uh, and he owned him on that shot, but I thought it was interesting because the other guys, he certainly came out from that, which I thought was good. Uh, like I said, he still needs to work on his puck control. But other than that, I'm really happy with his progress. They did ask Barry, uh, you know, if Varlamov is the number one goaltender. He says unequivocally he's the number one goaltender. He needs to remember he still needs to get Sorokin into games and, uh, you know, to keep those to, – to make sure that he gets playing time so that you can have a, a transition from Varlamov to Sorokin. There are going to be growing pains, but we do need to see that happen as we go forward. Um, I mean, these are just the type of things that just have to happen. And hopefully we can just continue that going forward, honestly. Oliver Wallstrom, here's what I expect the next couple of games. Without J.G. Pajot in there, I'm afraid that you're going to see less productivity from him. Uh, I thought Michael Del Cole, for what he is, was really good on that line. 
and served a purpose. Leo Komarov doesn't serve any purpose at all. Uh, Jarnak, I thought, shrunk from the occasion today for the most part. I was happy when he was playing the wing on that third line. Uh, but that just shows you how good J.G. Pajot is. And we really need him back. TJ, nice to have you back. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's unfortunate. I lost all of the comments, Grump. So and if you go actually into the top right portion of your screen, you'll be able to see all of the comments that people have made throughout this podcast. Okay. And if you have anything you want to throw in, I, we're going to change roles here. If you have okay. anything you oh, want to throw in yeah. from earlier, from yesteryear of this mm -hmm. podcast and live stream, you can feel free to bring that up and show that on the screen, Grump. This oh, is odd. I, I can somehow put these on the screen. So if you click show, that's actually going to show you how that's actually going to bring it up on the screen. Oh, forget it. I can't do that. I'll just read them all because <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't even bother with it. If you scroll over the actual comment, it gives you the opportunity to show it. I okay, I'm on top of the comment and let's see. If you click in the middle, it says show. That will show it there on the screen. Man, oh, man. This is a dinosaur right here. Oh, wow. No, it doesn't do it. I'm sorry. It doesn't. I'll just read it. That's fine. I can read. I'm able to read, TJ. I don't know about you, but I'm able to do it. I'm going to try to find where we ended off. I don't know where we ended up. Oh, well, well, don't don't worry about oh, it. I'll okay. go ahead. I, I, I know where we are here. Okay. Um, why is Komarov still alive? We saw that. Um, By Jerry okay. Springer. That's correct. Yes, we've seen that. Trots for president of the world. I'm going to say no to that. I don't think he has a good enough foreign policy. So I'll say no to that. Um, this is. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll, you know what? I will take over the range. You don't worry about it. I knew this is going to be too much for no, you no, to handle, Grump. It's too much for it's too much for you to handle. I need to. There's a reason I do this portion no, no, of it. We just no, have lost all the comments. Is all it is. I have. I think I, this is too complicated for you. No, bro. no, that's that's fine. I, I I'm going to pick out the funniest. <laughs> Two minutes of pessimistic. I like his wife. She, uh, you know, I don't know her, but she seems like a very nice lady. Stump the Grump. Who's older, Grump or Dobson, Wallstrom, and Bellows combined? They are older than I am combined, but not by a whole lot. Oh. Um, Scott uh, said, hey, how about a new TJ? How about a new T-shirt? Barry's Slurp Club. <laughs> very possible. Get him a well, the slurpy. Well, nope. we are. Hold on, hold on, Garrett Grump. We are going ahead and getting the work there. I'm getting the, the getting the getting the the actual uh, shirts made. The designs are in the works. I'm just editing a few more before, like we launch it there on the store and everything like that. I want it to be. It's like, hey, you could get one shirt or anything like that. I wanted you to have the variety to pick from and everything like that. So I'm in the process there of creating, like actually having the design done for the t-shirts. Uh, again, like there'll be t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, maybe even mugs. We're we're working on a lot of different things. Go ahead, Grump. Okay, Grump, if Lackluster Lou drafted one of your three amigos, we know who they are, oh instead of Casper, we would have another option to fill Lee's place. That is 100% correct. I will tell you, there's a reason why I don't like you having options to look at all the comments also as well because, oh, man, I feel like we're going to see just a lot of certain types of comments you're going to be reading. You're going to be abstaining from the other comments. That's not true. That's not true. Vinny Smith says, I would cut Bailey on my beer league team. Obviously, Benny could be a general manager in the beer league, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> a lot of goalies fall asleep when Bailey's on shootout. I mentioned that earlier. Thank you very much. That was Alexander. Uh, obviously, he's a Mets fan also. Um, Tommy Baffney says, Wallstrom shoots like Jake, uh, Jake DeGrom throws. Another nice analogy. I like that. I love the analogies. They're fantastic. This is a good one. Vinny Smith, once again, one power play goal in the last 117 games. 
Do we have any idea who he's talking about? It could be the Islanders, but no, it's our pal, Josh Bailey. That's right. How is Bailey only on the power play, but the point no less? Well, I could see why he's on the point because he ain't never going to shoot the damn puck. I'll tell you, this is it's it's hard, Grump, to watch you do this because it's just like you're reading them all off, and just like you're reading it in chronological order. We're not talking about anything. Let me get back to it. If there's something funny, I'll go ahead and give you okay, a chance. To, hold on, hold on, stop. I'll give you a chance to look at everything. If there's something funny you want to bring up, you can. But I'm going to just go back to the normal style we got. I tried it, Grump. I tried to let you do it there. I think it's a little different. Um, maybe people like it. I don't know. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, this is from Marque. Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is the most versatile Islanders player um, this side of Josh Bailey. Uh, um, that has to be a joke. I, you can't even mention them in the same sentence, honestly. It's like the Anders Lee Patrick Kane discussion. There is no comparison. I will not. I don't think he's comparing him, Grump. I think what he's saying here is Josh Bailey is versatile. And as much as people don't like Josh Bailey, Josh Bailey is extremely versatile. You talk about he's a quintessential great third line player. I think Josh Bailey does a lot. And again, okay. like he's not a guy who's a top six forward. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Josh Bailey is versatile. He can suck on any line that he plays on. I 100% <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> Oh, goodness yeah, gracious. I mean, this is true. I mean, now here's a long one from Frank. And I like Frank because he's got some good things to say. It was genius because Trotz probably said, here's your last shot. Take it or you'll never under any circumstances play again. Hold on. <laughs> Grump, I, okay, Grump, when you're reading these, I want you not to inflect what you think the person's voice is. Again, because we try to just break down the content of it. We have no idea how Frank says. So just say exactly like you would be reading it there to me. But I will say this, Frank. Even if this was Barry Trotz's way of saying this is your last chance, this is your final opportunity, I look at it like this. You don't go out and say it to the press. You talk to him behind closer. I have no problem at all with him giving Bellas the whip. None whatsoever. Again, that being said, you don't do it to the press. And look at this. You've motivated them, quite honestly. You could have got the same exact thing done, though, if you did it there behind closed doors. And I will say this. No way in hell Bellows was getting another opportunity or chance out there on the ice if Anders Lee didn't get injured. So what we saw, which was a poor display of public relations as well there to the media, to the press, would have never had a chance to actually come to fruition if Anders Lee didn't get hurt. Yeah, hundred percent agree. What's the next? What's the next comment you got there, Grump? You're uh, the comment guy now. I, I, I'm getting to them. Tom White says our power play is back to a ghost town. Way too much passing, dusting the puck off, and then passing again. No one touches to create chances. I mean, that's the way it's been for years now. You need more talent. Uh, to have that well, and again, like you wonder if you're thinking too. Hold on, when I'm talking, Grump, you can look for the next comment you want to have up. I, what I'm wondering too here is with Noah Dobson out. And with Jean-Gabriel Pajot out, those are two big pieces on a power play. And with Anders Lee out, those are three guys who play consistent power play minutes. How that will affect their short-term and mid-term, I mean, throughout the rest of the season. I mean, we're over halfway through the season now. If Anders Lee is going to be out a significant portion of the time, Noah Dobson is going to be out there for COVID protocol, and so is Jean-Gabriel Pajot. That's going to significantly impact their the power play, too. Without a doubt. Uh, here's one from Alexander. Use Bellows to try and land Forsberg. I would do that. 
I would have no problem at all with that. And I wonder if they would take a chance there on a guy like that because Kiefer Bellows is a younger player. And as he's shown that, you know what, he just wasn't given the opportunity or the chance here because they have too much depth there on the team. He didn't fit in whatever, you know, the uh, whatever they go ahead and rationalize that with. If you get a guy like Philip Forsberg and having to give up, you know, Kiefer Bellows as well as additional pieces, I'm completely fine with it. I think Philip Forsberg is a significant step up long term. I think that's a guy who's definitely a rock solid top six option there for you going forward. Without a doubt. Here we are, Tommy Baffy, our pal Tommy Baffy. Uh, Bellows is a below average skater, but playing with Barzal and Everly can hide it. I think that he has improved his skating. I thought when he first came into the league, he was not a great skater. But I'm going to tell you what, he's a better skater than Anders Lee is right now, without a doubt. Uh, and it's true. When you're playing with those two guys, it can hide it. Look what it's done for Anders Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy also mentioned that Al Arbor was very rough on young players. I don't remember him being tough on them in the press, though. That's And that's the thing. And people are saying, well, how about what if he already has spoken to Kiefer Bellows behind closed doors? This happened eight games. At, Kiefer Bellows had received eight games of playing time at this point. At this point. So if you're asking me over an eight-game stretch, if he's already had the talk down there with Kiefer Bellows, who's a rookie, he said, Kiefer, we need more from you. When do you think that happened? You think that happened after game one? You think he had to sit down, you know, the heart to heart to come to Jesus conversation after one game with a rookie? I'm saying probably not. So even if he already had that conversation there with Kiefer, which is completely fine, I have no problem with those type of conversations. Why on God's green earth did he feel frustrated enough to where he took it there to the media and the press? Because that's what that is. In my opinion, it's a frustration. It's a lapse of judgment on his side. Everything has worked out. I have no problem at all with you whipping the living shit out of a guy behind closed doors. Some people need it. Some people need the carrot. I've always had an issue as an ex-player when coaches come out and they unfairly, and in my opinion, unjustly rip certain players and not others. I've always taken a slight with it. I'm an ex-player. I've always taken a slight with that, maybe because I've never sat in a coach's shoes. So, you know, I mean, I'm willing to say that. I'm willing to go ahead and admit maybe I've got a bias being an ex-player. But Grump, what's the next count we got here from? Okay, we got David taking taking shots at the grumpy old man here. This is why I also don't show you this. So I can bring it up in a funny way. Grump, a lot of people take shots at you in there. And again, I like I show some of them. I show the funny ones. I could care less. Uh <laughs> David, David Cutler says if Trops wasn't our coach, we'd be the Sabres. Agreed, 100 percent Uh the two years in Washington post-trots, they haven't lost they've lost in the first round. The four years with trots, they never lost in the first round. Fact. Yeah, but they could never beat Pittsburgh, and uh, Todd Reardon was their coach for those two years. I don't think you're going to see a repeat this year with the real coach. I was about to say, you see Peter Laviolette, now that guy, you talk about it. Todd Reardon was just like a, hey, here you go. Here's your first chance, your first opportunity. You were here with the organization there. Barry Trotz is gone. You know, he's maybe been grooming you. We want you to step up into that. And again, I Todd Reardon will not be getting a head coaching position in my – my opinion. I don't think he should be getting a head coaching position anytime soon. Will be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs with a legitimate coach there in Peter Laviolette. So, do I think they might see a first round exit this year? Probably not. But again, you never know. Yeah, doubtful. Tom White, I like him. He's got. Uh, I like his first name, and uh, he also compliments me. So that, that's definitely going to get your stuff read. Uh, if the coach gets the players to buy in, they're usually very successful. Grump has a good point. Thank you very much. Coaches don't win games. Players do. And he said a coach provides the map and the players follow the route. 100% agreement on that. TJ, thoughts? 
Yeah. Well, again, like as I mentioned it there earlier, again, like the players, the players on the ice actually execute. The players on the field execute. The coach puts in the game plan. The coach does all the strategy. He tells you, all right, when this, for example, if when, I, when games go to shootout, it's not just the players saying, hey, I've done all the research there on my own. Coaches have done that. They've broken that film down for them. They'll have, obviously, a community there where they'll speak and they'll kind of get the feedback there from the players. In the same token, though, coach comes in and he says, this is what happens when XYZ happens. I've watched film for the last 50,000 years of game here because that's my job. You know, when the players are out there doing, you know, their conditioning, they're out there doing their recovery, they're doing all this. I'm studying all that information and I'm giving that information there to the players. So definitely do agree with that, Grump. David takes a shot at you, TJ. Not calculated by Trotz, but no media member or Islanders fan said to slot Bellows into Lee's spot. Trotz did, and it's paying off. Let's give him some credit, pal. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my thing. I, I think Bellows always should have been just like this. I think Oliver Wallstrom has grown into it. I think even if Bellows was playing on a third line with a healthy Michael or with a healthy Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I think that third line is the equivalent to a lot of teams' second lines in the NHL. It's not like you're hindered with just being on a, a line full of grinders. Our third line, when Jean-Gabriel Pajot's healthy and Oliver Wallstrom, is not a grinder line. A lot of teams, their bottom six, relatively speaking, are grinders. If you added you know, Kiefer Bellis to the mix there, that team, that line is not at all a grinder line. I'm happy he put him there on the top six role. I'm glad he did. And again, I'm not faulting him from doing something like that. No issue at all with him giving Kiefer Bellows the opportunity. I just think the the way he handled it and the situation back then saying that was his opportunity, I just think it was it was not calculated as well. I don't think it was a stroke of genius because if Lee never gets hurt, he never throws Kiefer Bellows into a top six role here. And he shouldn't have. I always thought he was better there on that third line. And it, we only saw one game which he said they played well all together in the third line. He gets moved up to the second line. He has one poor game. He sits on the bench the rest of the time. Very good, TJ. I, again, like Barry Trust has a lot of things good. I just I'm left baffled a little bit by this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's not that we're not giving him credit, but you know, not everything he does is 100 correct. I mean, sorry, not perfect. Uh, Brian Bugden says he wasn't putting Bellows back on the ice. That definitely was not a strategic plan, my opinion. Brian, well, he's a brother from another mother, without a doubt. Uh, we see a lot of things the same way. Fantastic. Jeff Feinblum, nice guy. Talked with him. Uh, you guys need to give Trotz more credit. One word, Capuano. The system is important, and he's the one who gets the players to buy in. Absolutely 100% agree with that. And like I said, he's good getting marginal players to play up to their ability. That's one thing he does. But if you don't have buy-in from high-end players, his system won't work. Our team, our team, if you look at it, doesn't have a superstar. The fact, and like as much as we get Barry Trotz, I think criticism rightly so, to have a superstar buy into your system, it does take time and it does it takes a lot of effort there. Um, you saw what he was able to do when Alexander Ovechkin did buy into the system. I was always left though questioning as to why they never bought Barry Trotz back. I think they had issues there on that side there, uh, owners and management and Barry. So again, like I'm not sure, maybe they didn't play a sexy enough style of hockey there for him. But remember, the year the Washington Capitals won the cup, they weren't number one in the conference or number one in the division like they had been in years past. There was a year where he was already he was already in tumultuous waters. And the only reason people thought maybe they'll bring back Barry Trotz is because they won the cup. It was almost a foregone conclusion. If he didn't win the cup, he was gone that year. And uh, I will tell you this. The coaches put together the plan. They do all the research for the most part. 
albeit they don't win the game on the ice. True. Uh, Scott Levy says Del Crapo. I agree. <laughs> Jeff Feinboom also says Bailey is hideous on the power play too. 100% agreement. Uh, no disappointment. No, uh, nothing there. We're getting a lot of agreement on uh, what the grumpy old man says, of course, but uh, also giving Trotz credit in a lot of statements. And I think well, we do give him credit. We do give him credit. Just he's not he's not infallible. I think that's all we want to say. And said, TJ, you better start waking up and doing a better job as host because you're a failure at that. Oh, is that hold on? Was that was that in the comment section? Who left that comment, Grump? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> NHL is from Alexander. NHL 21 has Josh Bailey at an 85 overall and a top six forward, and they call him a quality player. That's why those games are useless. They lie. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, oh, just, I, I'll tell you one thing. Anytime Grumpy sees something that he doesn't know or can't relate to, he just laughs it off like a video games. <laughs> I, I don't think you've ever played. I, I would be interested. In, just like I'd be interested to see you on the ice at one point, I'd be interested to see how you would even hold a video game controller these days. It's not back. It's not like we're playing Pong anymore these days on the on the Xbox and the PlayStation or on the computers anymore, Grump. I don't play Xbox. I don't play PlayStation. I used to play pinball. That was my game. I was really good at it. But I was good at Asteroids. And, uh, I never liked Pac-Man or anything like that. Um, are you are you trying to tell me you don't have a video game system and you still have a landline? Is this And you don't have social media, but you don't have a video game system? No videos. Sorry. Oh. I don't play the videos. No. Okay. Um, Scott says, my issue with Bailey is that for a second-line player, he should have more than three goals. He should have eight or more. Also, he always looks to pass first instead of shooting. Preach to the choir. Uh, David Pereira asked what we thought of Ajo. TJ, go with that. Please. What I thought of Ajo, again, like I thought he did an okay job. It's unfortunate because this is not a guy who's ever – I don't think he's going to be like a mainstay with the Islanders. And, again, like he's a guy who I think he's a little smaller. He <sighs> – he did have a poor play there where he did have that turnover. Um, but I think he's more of an offensive-minded defender. And that's not really what the Islanders have or host. I mean, like, you have to be more of – even if you do have the offensive acumen, you still have to be defensively aware. You still have to be a guy who's like, you know what, I'm going to surrender some of the offensive touch that I want to have there, and I'm going to surrender there for defensive uh, stability. And I'm just not sure if Ajo is a guy like uh, who's going to mesh well there with the system. I really am not. But it was interesting to see him there today. Again, it's one game, so I'm trying not to All judge right, too stop. quickly. Stop. No one cares. I have to read this comment. Now you, fe now you feel like me. Okay, I will tell you one thing. I saw you smiling. Now you understand sometimes why I just randomly start smiling around a podcast because it's a question I see, and I just can't help but smile. TJ, what semi-pro league and sport were you in? Semi-pro. That is funny. No, no, no. Played college and had chances there at the NFL and the CFL. Had to bounce around there a little bit. So I wasn't playing semi-pro sports there, but Ooh. thanks. So we could just jump right on to the next one. Watch out, Scott. You just hit his hot button. Great no, job. no, I was not playing semi-pro sports, but I I told myself I'd never I'd never play semi-pro sports. Anyway, keep going. Uh, Tommy Baffin, <laughs> Dave, uh, um, DeJesu. Uh, that's just say David D. Don't have to worry about getting too deep into the, the last name because they're hard to pronounce. I find Grump. Well, that's you, not me. Uh, they both said, you know, what would what would Nashville want for Forsberg? And David suggested uh, we probably need to give up two first rounders and two prospects. 
I don't know if we'd need to give up that much. I'd certainly be willing to give up a first-round pick and a couple of prospects and maybe even a player off our roster if need be. Um, that's something I do. TJ, you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, and again, like Forsberg, you're gonna he's going to get King's ransom. And this is actually interesting. He's on a relatively manageable contract, but you talked about it. A capologist, was it on The Athletic? Grump that you read that a few of the the uh, yeah. the pundits or a few of the general managers or owners said they could see the cap staying flat for five years. And again, I, I don't know if this is just rumors. Obviously, that would have to be agreed to by CBA. If the cap were to stay flat for five years, oh my God. Yikes. I really hope the players band together that, that the cap's going to start increasing again uh, after this, you know, this this time period of three years where it's going to stay relatively flat. Yeah. Uh, I, I First of all, the players would have to buy into that. And I think that's going to be an issue. And, you know, that was uh, he, he heard that from a, a couple, I think, one or two NHL executives thinking about that. And I just I just don't see that happening right now. I think we're really putting the cart in front of the horse at this point in time. We had a couple of things on Forsberg. Uh, Scott asked, you know, Scott, the one who said you are barely a semi-pro player, uh, said – I know he probably meant it as a joke there, but no, no, I didn't play semi. Do, um, should they get Forsberg, how do you think the lines would look if Lee comes back? I think that – for me, I'll answer that question. I think that puts Lee on the second line. Uh, Here, here's my thing, though. Fors, you would have to offload a significant portion of cap, though, in order to fit Forsberg in. Because once Lee gets removed there from the long-term injury list, you're right up against the cap without bringing anybody on. So you would have to be able to – not only would you – and I guess like with the with the Predators, they might be in a situation where they could take a bad contract because they're in full rebuild mode, where they're going to be entering full rebuild mode. So, I mean, like if they're willing to take a bad contract too, I just think you're going to have to give up even more additionally to get a player like Philip. Not only going to have to pay for Philip Forsberg, you're also going to have to pay them to take a bad contract too. And I think they would be willing to do so because they're in rebuild mode. But eh, you're, you're talking about really, really pricey at that point because it's not like Forsberg is a rental now. Yeah, that, that's right. But I, I think it's worth it's worth it's worth trying. You know, if you're not in it to win it, you know, who cares? David Cutler says, TJ, and this is something that I don't understand, so I'll just read it to you because it makes no sense to me. TJ, join Isles Misery. Uh, the other Facebook groups are wannabe Islander Booster Club. Absolutely. I'm going to agree with that. Um, it's it, What it means is like, you, uh, Grump, you have these things called groups where you can share posts and everything like that. And like we do the Drive for Five, Islanders Uncensored, things like that. We used to do like uh, real Islanders fans. Uh, but before getting kicked out there at the little backlash. But it's just like it's one of those clubs we got to look at there for certain. Uh, Grump, what are the comments looking at here before I can get back to showing everything there? Sorry with the technical difficulties on my side. It seems like there's something new on my side all the time when it comes to technical issues, Grump. I'm going to tell you something, people. TJ is always criticizing me when things go wrong on this podcast. I am the reason for when everything goes wrong. It's me. And I've just come to accept him for what he is, uh, barely semi-pro. <laughs> that's what i need to get i need to get a sticker that'd be funny i'll get like a semi-pro sticker there or something like that the semi-pro the semi-pro podcast too a disgruntled former athlete who wasn't good enough to make it so he goes into the podcasting world and figures if something goes wrong it's my fault 
That's cool. I don't mind. I just kind of I just chuckle, which is definitely the way to go. We do have more comments. But and again, I want to touch back on before you read the next comment. I okay, want to touch back ahead. on Forsberg. He's he's got another year left on the contract, still six million dollars of cap hit. So you're talking about the the National Predators would have to absorb close to six million dollars because I mean we're right up against the cap if Anders Lee's not on long term injury. The 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 National Predators then would have to absorb roughly about six million in cap space. They would have to absorb from us. So again, like you, you want to talk about you're gonna to have to pay a premium there for Philip Forsberg because he's not a rental. He's a top six forward caliber player. And you're gonna to have to pay a premium for them to take bad contracts off your hands. That would be unbelievably expensive. And that's why I said the only way I could see a Philip Forsberg move working is if Anders Lee's out for the rest of the year, where you don't have to worry about the cap situation. You can worry about it in the offseason. Yes, 100% agreed, but I'll go with that. Some of these comments are great, TJ. I'm sorry. I'm enjoying reading the comments. You know, whatever you say really isn't important anyway. It's the people. They're more important. We're having a bunch of uh, uh, New Jack City references, um, which I think is cool. And Tommy Baffy says he thinks that uh, I should wear a first-place shirt with a frown on it. I think that's really good. I could. I want to win the Stanley Cup. And have a frown on it, honestly. You could, you could have a Stanley Cup. I remember I asked you around Christmas time. I wanted to get the grumpy old man a gift, an Islanders-related gift, because all of his shirts are old. Well, except this new Brady shirt. I assume that's a new one. You don't have any new Islanders gift. I wanted to get you one of Anders or Andrew Ladd's number and Andrew Ladd that said retire on it. And I said, would you wear this? And you said, absolutely not. And I, I I thought, I'm like, is this something Grumpy would enjoy? I really thought you would, but I guess I don't know your taste. We've been podcasting now together for years, and I just don't know the taste that well. Uh, what can I tell you? Sorry, I'm not going to tell you my taste. David Cutler, uh, Tommy Baffias is uh, the Grumpy Old Man using a Commodore 64. No, I don't even know what that is, so I'm going to say no to that. Uh, David Cutler says, how am I holding up with losing an hour's sleep? Clearly better than Bailey. That's true. Uh, now, look, interesting story. I, it was really difficult for me last night because I knew I was losing an hour's sleep, and I wanted to kind of retrain my body for the next day, but I didn't fall asleep till like 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, old time. So it was like 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I got to make sure that I'm up so I can get to sleep on Sunday night. So I'm running on empty here, but Hey, that's cool. So, so these late night podcasts are more in your element. Five o'clock in the morning, Grump. Jesus yeah. Christ. Couldn't fall asleep. Couldn't fall asleep. I don't know what it was. God, oh my Sorry. God. Couldn't do it. What can I tell you? Are we all caught up on the comments? No, we're not because we got a lot of comments, but some of them are funny. Um, oh, front, uh, Paul De Gennaro said, you forgot that Barzell got sent back to juniors for taking two penalties in a row. That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> I will tell you, it's funny you mention that, right? Remember all the fans out there, the sycophants that were supporting, hey, when you know, when, when they said, hey, it doesn't need to take too many minor penalties. Guess what? Adam Pellick has, if you take out the 10-minute game or the 10-minute penalty that uh, that um, uh, Matt Barzal had, Adam, or Adam Pellick now has only two penalty minutes less. He had the same exact amount of minor penalties as Matt Barzal, I believe. Or maybe they're off by one. I cannot remember. But I'm not seeing anybody calling to sit Adam Pellick like they were calling to sit Matt Barzal to teach him a lesson and the things like that. I'm not seeing calls to action. Hey, we need to bench Matt or Adam Pellick now because he's right up there with the minor. He's leading the team or he's coming close to leading the team in minor penalties. I'm not seeing calls for action like that because it's whatever Barry Trot says. People say, all right, sounds good. 
Well, that's true, TJ. hundred percent. I've got to play your role now because you're reading. So I've got to be. I've got to be the contrarian. Crumb. That's that's fine. You can try to do that. Mike, I'm trying. I'm not sure if it's working. Mike DeCapua says, "Isn't it possible that Trotz has talked to Bellows behind closed doors before he did it to the press?" I just want to say one thing. He only played one game back after being sat, and he had a. And admittedly, he didn't have a great game that game. I think he played what seven or eight minutes, and had was a minus two. Uh, like that even means anything after seeing some of these other some of the the sainted veterans out there get burned in one on uh, uh, five on five situation, but I guess that is possible. TJ, you want to touch on that a little bit, please? Uh, Grumpy, you kind of you kind of mumbling bumbling over there, so I really kind of lost track. But let me go ahead. Let me. Go, I think we're right about. I think I saw that comment right before I went out, and I wanted to touch on that. But I think we're now up to date here on all the comments. I want to get back though. We've got a few more here, Grumpy old man. Um, oh, hold on. I got one thing. Tom White says the grumpy old man is the Josh Bailey of the podcast. <laughs> and right after I said something nice to him earlier, I was very complimentary of him. He has to dump on me like that. That's the way it's going to be, Tom. That's the way it's going to have to be. Oh, gosh. Anyway, Grump, we're back to it. Uh, Jeff Feinblum saying, how long will Pajot and Dobson be out assuming they're not sick? What is this protocol? I have... <laughs> I really have no idea. I, like, I assume even if, like, hey, contact tracing, maybe you have it, you're not actually sick with it. I assume they're still going to do, like, a, hey, wait a week, then we're going to retest you. If you don't have it, you're good to go, perhaps. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure how the protocol works, that, you know, but those are not guys who can really afford to be out long term. Just one other thing, uh, you know, in response to Tom White. All I can Stop. Say is, this is why you don't do comments. All I can say is, I did it my way. We got the Sinatra singing in. You can check that off the board. Um, uh, we got a comment here from Brian P. saying, Palmieri or Raquel? Raquel. Uh, if, if, I had, if I was forced to pick between the two of them, I'd pick Raquel. Yeah, Rashard Raquel. He's had a few good – I mean, Palmieri also puts up points in the same token. Now, Palmieri's a guy who's a rental. So, you know, ideally he would be cheaper than Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel has an additional year there of term on the contract. So it really depends on what the Islanders are looking to give. And now hey, these are options. I think definitely Ricard Raquel. If you're in a situation where Anders Lee is going to come back, it's going to be much more manageable to trade for a guy like Ricard Raquel, who doesn't have, you know, the name of a guy like Philip Forsberg, uh, as well as he doesn't absorb as much cap. So, you know, going back, the Ducks wouldn't have to absorb as much cap from us, which I mean, maybe you're talking costs might be a little less expensive. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, I want somebody who can contribute going forward. I'm not just looking at this year. I'm looking at going forward. We need to get younger, not just rentals. Uh, I, I just I'm I I want to change up some of the guys on this team if we want to advance past as far as we got last year. And I don't know where we're going with Washington. Washington's really good, people. Washington's really good. They're going to be tough. They're not last year's Washington team with Laviolette as coach. You know, but if we can only go a certain distance, we're going to have to improve some of the talent on this team to go further. And that's what I want. Uh, Tommy's saying uh, they're not going to trade for Forsberg with what Nashville wants from him. That's what I was saying. The only the only way I could see a trade for Philip Forsberg working is if Anders Lee is out. I'm talking the remainder of the season. You won't have to have them absorb cap. That gives them more chance to absorb bad contracts, bad terms, so they can get more draft capital in return there for that. I will tell you this, though. Philip Forsberg, I think, would be a huge step there forward. And even if <sighs> – 
I won't make that statement. I was about to say, I mean, if you're talking about pure talent wise, I think maybe Philip Forsberg is a better shot than Anders Lee. Anders Lee, I think, obviously has a lot more intangibles that Forsberg might not have. But I think if you're talking just pure shot wise, I think Forsberg has Anders Lee slightly with the beat in there. Uh, if they offered me Philip Forsberg for Anders Lee, I'm a yes. Uh, Philip Forsberg has a better shot than Anders Lee. He's a better overall player than Anders Lee. He does not stand in front of the net and have that net front presence that Anders Lee has. But overall, he's a better overall player. If I'm here, Dobson was handled the same way last season. Again, I do not remember ever him saying that was Dobson's opportunity. That was his chance. Never. Again, like he said, there's things Dobson needs to work on. No problem with that. I, I, I feel like we're literally just like, I'm done with it. I'm done with the comment. I'm done with the post. It was a controversial post. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I've gotten my piece out. I've said what I've wanted to say about it. Again, I, there's nothing anybody can do to convince me that you know he was playing 4D chess with this. I think certain times he does play 4D chess. This one was not 4D chess. It was a stroke of luck. But we're moving on, like on all things. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Um, David D., is saying, I'd love to have Forsberg, for, but for a player of his talent, we will need to give up two first-rounders and two prospects. This is my thing. If you've got to give up – realistically, we hear how great Bodie Wild's doing. Is Do we think Bodie Wild is as good as uh, – well, Crump, you might know this answer. Does Bodie Wild play the same side as Samuel Bolduck? He's a right-handed defenseman. Samuel, Sam- Bold- Samuel Bolduck is a – I believe he's a right – oh, uh, Bodie Wild's right-handed. I think – I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head either. I was saying if they both play the same side, I mean, you have flexibility because I know Dobson plays the same exact side there as Bodie Wild. And then if Samuel Bolt looks also right-handed defense, which I cannot remember off the top of my head, you have that flexibility. You have that ability. We have guys on Bridgeport, again, Parker Weathers, guys who are ready to make a step and have a chance and opportunity. You talk about prospects. We have a glut of, of young defensive prospects. And for a guy like Philip Forsberg, he's a guy who is a talented top six forward who can help this team improve. Uh, again, like with a window that is relatively, you know, short there for the Islanders, unless we're able to do some significant maneuvering, I would have no problem at all giving up two first round picks. Remember, they're going to be towards the latter half of the first round when all things work out ideally. We've got second round picks. Uh, so, I would not be opposed at all for making a rush to win a Stanley Cup. I wouldn't. And again, like making a move like that, trading for a guy like Philip Forsberg, it would cost an arm and a leg, but that's going all in. In my opinion, when I look at it, that's that's a going in all move. Very true. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I want to do. I mean, your object is to win the Stanley Cup. It's not to qualify for the playoffs and hope, you know, we get lucky and some teams get some injuries because there are teams in this league that are just better than we are. And I think one of them is in our division, uh, which is going to be a problem for us going forward. And Tampa Bay is – forget about it. We're not getting to the Stanley Cup Finals as long as Tampa Bay uh, is playing the way they're playing. Tom White saying, don't think the Outers will do much before the deadline. Stand pat and make moves in the offseason. Here's my thing. The Islanders are a team – and we've talked about the way the roster is, is lined up. Brock Nelson, he's 29 years old. He's got terms still attached to that contract. Josh Bailey, is he tw- is he thirty years old yet, Crump, or is he twenty nine? Yeah, yeah, he's thirty. He's he's thirty years old. Anders Lee is in or near his thirties. You've got guys. Three of those guys are all in their thirties. Have big contracts and cap tied to it. 
unless you're able to move those guys off when they become toxic assets or they're not offering and giving you the returns of what you're paying them, your window is somewhat finite. Even if guys like Oliver Walsh and Kiefer Bellow step up, they're going to be at time periods where they're going to have contracts coming up and they're going to want to get paid. So it's going to be interesting to see what we do here. I think the window isn't huge and long. I, I'm not a big fan of what the situation we're in standing back. If Anders Lee was healthy, maybe you could look for a third wide left wing. We were talking about it there on the podcast in the past, Grump. That was the only thing I could think of doing. But if Andrews Lee's going to be out long-term and he's not going to be, be, be back by the end of the season, you have to look to replace him, right? I mean, you can't just say, hey, let's just roll Kiefer Bellows out there. Let's roll Michael Del Cole on the first line or Leo Komarov on the first line. Or let's pick up scraps and say, here we go, here's Brett Connolly. I mean, like, we need a guy, a legitimate top six guy, I think. Well, If Andrews Lee's out for the rest of the season, that is. Right. But even think about it going forward. If you pick up a guy like Forsberg, who's a true first line left wing, and you slot Anders Lee on the second line. Does that not make our second line? I've always felt that uh, Anders Lee is a better fit with Nelson and Bailey. Uh, and this way you'd have Forsberg with Everly and Barzell. And how would you like to have a third line of Pajot, Wallstrom, and Bavillier? I mean, then you have three re- pretty good lines, I'm just going to say. I'll tell you one thing. With a guy like Bavillier on a third line, and again, I think Bavillier is way better. I mean, for our team, I think he serves more of an important purpose than a third line, third line left winger. But man, oh man, you talk about the offensive pop that would be on, on that third line. Scott L., um, what sport did I play? Football, back in the day. Way, way, way back in the day. Okay, um, you're, way, you're, way, you're way too far up. You can scroll way down those comments. I took care of them all, TJ. Well, that I already had all those comments downloaded. I lost a whole bunch of them. I thought you'd had different comments than I did, but no worries, no worries. Okay, I'm glad I've got this here now. Grumpy old man. I'm sorry. I'm just getting my bearings underneath me here. George Pace is saying, seriously, though, Bailey was a liability on the ice tonight. How does he keep getting all that ice time every night? Because he's really smart. He's really smart. That's what they'll tell you on the broadcast. He's smart. He's one of the smartest players there in. I always say he's like the girl that you go on a blind date. Well, she's got a good personality. I mean, it's the same thing. Doesn't bring anything to the table. You know. Well, you're, you were singing. You were singing, Grump. George Pace said, don't quit your day job. <laughs> well, I might quit it anyway just because I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, Grumpy, don't tell me that. Tom says, sorry, Grump. I couldn't resist. And Grumpy That's okay. Just- That's okay. I don't care. Like I said, I got a thick skin. Believe you me. Oh, I was about to say he would. I, I actually, I enjoy it. I think it's funny. If you're funny, even if you're ripping me, I could care less. But it's got to be funny. It has to be funny. <laughs> oh goodness gracious, grumpy old man! Um, now, did you read this one here, Tom? White said he yeah. might have. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. Here, this has been. It's been a tumultuous one on mine. Barzal is a superstar in making four. So he is Brian P. I, I think, again, he's going to continue to step into those roles. I really hope one time in the future he's going to be maybe one of the faces of the NHL. I think he's got the speed. He's got he's Not got the charisma. He's got the charisma on the ice, too. He's got the energy. You know, some players are kind of like milk toast. You're like, bah, I just kind of I am what I am. Matt Barzal has the fire on the ice, too, which I think people like to see. It's different. Not playing for this team and this coach. It's not going to happen. We don't get the respect around the league for being as good a team as we as we are, and we're the Islanders. And as long as you play a defense first, he's never going to get a chance to shine as much as he could on another team. So I disagree with you as being a face of the NHL. 
I would love for him to. And the only way I could think he would be a face of the NHL is if we win cups. If the Islanders are winning cups, I promise you he would be a face of the NHL. He really. I would. just don't. I just don't think that they that even when even when we were winning cups, we weren't a marquee team. We never were. We're you know we're the, like the Rangers' little stepsister, or whatever it is. You know, it's or the Rangers' redheaded stepchild. Redheaded stepchild, whatever it is. I mean, regardless of how good we are. Brian P. also says asteroids with some laughing faces there. George Pace is saying Bailey's high hockey IQ couldn't lift the shot two feet higher today. He couldn't even lift it a foot higher today. Oh, Paul D. is saying grumpy old man still uses VCR. Now, is that true? You still use the VCR. I still have a VCR, and I still have a VHS tapes. I also have a Betamax machine with Betamax tapes. I couldn't even tell you I know what Betamax is. Like VHS. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure my age. I know what a VHS is. I know what a DVD is. Blu-ray things like that. Never heard of a Betamax. I'm sure. I'm showing my age because was Betamax popular? Grump. Uh, they had smaller tapes and less recording time, uh, and VHS wound up taking over for them. But I always thought the quality on Betamax was better than on VHS. Gotcha. But here's gotcha. the thing. You know, we have to move on. What can I say? Yeah, and Tommy B saying Aho is trade bait. I think he would be. I'm just not sure what type of value we'd get from Sebastian Aho. I'm really just not sure what the value would be. Like if you're throwing in prospects, he's not a guy where I say, wow, that really moves the needle. I think if you're talking trade bait wise, I think a guy like Bodie Wild might move the needle more. I think Samuel Bolduck would definitely move the needle more, but I don't think he's he should be uh, made available there through trade. Um, so how about, how about we try to move Nick Letty or Scott Mayfield? Scott Mayfield is a very attractive piece. He really is. He's got a couple more years at 1.45 per. If you're not going to protect him anyway, why not try to move him in a deal that can get you a, a frontline score? Here is my thing. There's no way you should ever trade a guy like Nicoletti or Scott Mayfield during season if you're pushing for the playoffs and pushing for a Stanley Cup. If you do it in the offseason, no issue at all. You have a chance there to build yourself up a little contingency plan. But if you're looking to compete for Cup, you can't trade a guy like Nicoletti or Scott Mayfield during season. Offseason, sure, whatever. Players have enough time to get ready and acclimated. But if you trade them at the trade deadline, you're only going to have a handful of games realistically to get that player, whoever is up next there, ready to fill the role as an everyday starter. Yeah, but I think we're looking at making a deal like now, not going to the trade deadline. And we have half the season left. So, I mean, it is what it is. Here's the thing. I know they're not moving Letty, and they're not going to move Mayfield. There's certain guys that are just not going to move because there's no way that Trotz is going to let certain guys go. Matt S. is saying impossible. A five-year flat cap is not sustainable. I 100% agree. I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's awful there for the players. I was shocked when I read that in The Athletic, though, today. I was just like, oh, wow. You know, Some executives are talking about they're entertaining the idea or possibly trying to go ahead and float the idea around a flat cap for five seasons. Man, oh, man. The players would have to buy into that. I mean, they bought into three. They're, it's not going to be – they're not going to go for it. I, 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 there's no way the players go for that. No way. Gotcha. Tommy's saying there, cap has to go up to uh, 82 – yeah, 82.5. Yeah, so it's a $1 million increase. As I said, virtually flat cap. Um, I, and, again, like if I said it flat cap 100%, let me correct myself. I know it has to go up that $1 million, but I know we're flat here for these two years. It goes up $1 million, but they're talking about over that time period to keep it virtually flat there, not increasing it there for the two years thereafter when they have to agree to a new CBA. So, got you here. Uh, George Pace is saying Bailey is trade bait. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher that name. What is that? Chirelli's? Dino Ciccarelli. Okay. No Ciccarelli. Cicarelli. Dino Cicerelli. Dino oh, Cicer oh. No, I think, I think he's talking about uh, Peter Chirelli, who was the GM. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Gotcha. He's oh. right. He's not out there anymore. Uh, what a what a film says nice shirt TJ you look pro grumpy enough of Brady were you talking about Brady when I was off the podcast when I had that short technical difficulty were you talking about Tom Brady again Grump no no I did not I can't trust you I can't trust you I, I try to keep I you from talking and oozing all over Tom Brady because I'm pretty sure you could start a Tom Brady fanboy podcast in addition to this yeah I'm a, absolutely I'm a Tom Brady fanboy for certain. Um, but no, I, and like I said, the reason I wore this shirt today, I really don't wear a whole lot of Brady shirts, just a couple. But I did wear this one today because I wanted to segue into the players are more important than the coach in the grand scheme of things. What a film says, TJ looks good for a change, and you wear Brady. Oh, God. I was about to say, it's that, means funny I look great. that means I look great. You must look really good all the time. I must have a crummy look there. No worries. I'll tell you, before we started live streaming, the, the apparel I was wearing was even less professional. So he never um, wore a shirt. He never wore a shirt. Never wore a shirt. Ever. DJ does not wear a shirt. As soon as this podcast ends, I'm telling you, he rips the shirt off. He's a little nature boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never used to wear a shirt there on a podcast, but we were never live there to the, the viewing audience. So he I don't know. He used to go down to the park and, you know, play in the semi-pro league. And as soon as the game was over, he tried to pick up the chicks by taking his shirt off. But, you know, when you play the offensive line, maybe you should wear a shirt a little bit more often. Wait. <laughs> the ladies love the love the large stomach is what it was, Grump. Yes, yeah, so that's how I got him. That's how I got Paige. Um, Tommy B is saying here, uh, if you clear two tests, you're R, you are good, TJ. If you test positive minimum of 10 days. Okay. So that does make sense. Yeah. You got to clear those two tests. I'm not sure how quick they can administer those tests. Like if it's like, Hey, we'll give you a test tomorrow. And then the next day thereafter, I have no earthly idea when it comes to stuff like that though. Well, hopefully they didn't test positive. I mean, that's, that's my hope. So we can get it back sooner rather than later. Hopefully just contract tracing or something like that. Uh, Frank K is saying it would be awesome to see these games. Or it was, I'm sorry. It was awesome to see these games live this weekend in New Jersey. Prudential center is such a beautiful arena. Great food at the Reds beer, beer garden bar. too. I will tell you one thing. How expensive was, <laughs> were the concessions that they've marked down the prices at all or just normal prices as usual? I wonder. Can't help you. Uh, David C. saying, Grump should sing the anthem opening night at UBS. Oh, I would God. get booed. I would get booed. <laughs> Honestly, you would make – I would not want you to because I think people would think you're making a mockery, but really I think you'd just be trying your best. I would yeah, go. Yeah, I'm a crappy singer for the most part. I, <laughs> I mean, I know it. <laughs> it doesn't stop me, but I know. Don't believe me. I, don't, I have no delusions of grandeur. I'm not Elvis. <laughs> Oh goodness gracious! Tommy B also saying, if you go on the COVID protocol nineteen or the COVID nineteen protocol list, because uh, you were in contact with someone uh, who was positive but tests negative twice in a forty eight hour time period, you can play. Okay, well that answers the question then. So I'm again, I, Tommy, we need to go to Tommy for any COVID protocol uh, questions. I've, I've told you before here, Grump. I want to do something where we get Tommy, we get Brush, we get people who because like, like Tommy does his own. He has top, the Baffy corner, um, the coach's corner, and again, like having it to where it's exclusive to people who just follow the Facebook or the YouTube or the Twitter page. To where it will not be offered there in a podcast setting, but it still is out there. I want to do something like that. And I'll tell you, that's what we plan on doing there with a live stream. We're going to do it before the playoffs and maybe even during the 
playoffs. You want to know the crazy thing, Grump? I'm getting married in May 28th of this year. And I was thinking, I was telling, I was, we were talking to my fiance. She was like, what are we going to do? Like wedding weekend? And I was like, oh shit, we fly out this day. I'm like, well, Wednesday we got a live stream. She gave me a one hour time frame. So if the Islanders are still in season, I have a one hour time frame to do the podcast. I can do one hour of a live stream. Uh, as I told her, I said, we'd be right around the Eastern Conference Finals at that time period. I can't miss out. I can't not live stream then. So I was able to broker a deal where I get one hour of live stream. She said a minute more. She's yanking that thing out the wall. But uh, speaking about COVID, pro- oh, I don't even know what the hell I was tying it back to. I, I don't know either. You're just insane. Um, but what about like our Saturday night podcast? It's, it's going to go back there to Saturday night because no longer will we have games there on Sunday. Again, like if we have a game on Sunday, we'll do a podcast there after you know the game on Sunday. But if it goes back to where, hey, the games, the last game we have is Saturday before like a Monday or a Tuesday game, we'll just go back to you know recording there on Saturday after the game. When you're getting married when you're getting married on the 28th not like a friday so you i mean I'm i don't know i'm 28 i don't know when the 28th is i think it's uh it's gotta be it's a friday i don't know how you know that date so well grump because i because i know dates all right i can count that's how okay. i know Gotcha. Uh, or maybe just pull it up there with the calendar. I'm not going to go ahead and give you that much credit to it. Uh, I will say this. I don't know. It's either like a Friday or Saturday, but uh, we're going to have to do it to where we uh, maybe really pre-record one. But it's going to be tough, though. We'll have uh, we'll be during some Islander playoff hockey. So I don't know. We'll have to figure out. I I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to we're going to have to sacrifice there for the podcast. Though we're going to have to. I think we're definitely going to live stream there that Wednesday beforehand, and then after the wedding, maybe uh, on Saturday we'll be able to podcast. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to speak for everyone who listens to podcasts. We don't care about your wedding. Move on. <laughs> gotcha. Grumpy old man is the Johnny Boychuk of podcasting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh shit. Out. God almighty, Grump can't do stuff like that. Uh, Widow Films saying he would drop the gloves with you, TJ. Love you guys. Oh, Grumpy, I'm sure he would drop the gloves. Grumpy would drop the gloves for just like a bat in the eye at it. No problem. Tommy B saying, TJ, don't worry, buddy. You're safe in the drive for five things. <laughs> I just had to say, don't have to worry about getting kicked there in that group. I was shocked, though. I'd never been kicked. I'm pretty much uh, Melville Miltos. Honestly, I don't think what you said, seriously. Bullock is a lefty, by the way. Okay, he's a lefty. Uh, we, need, we need more lefties, honestly. Um, I don't think what you said was even controversial, honestly. I mean, I, like I said, you're right. I have no social media presence, but it sounds like the cancel culture is at work. Oh, I got canceled off of that, I guess, for just having a difference of opinion, saying that Barry Trotz is an infallible. Anyway, David C. saying, Grump, no AJ hair comments, and the show is almost over? Question mark. He's questioning. Yeah, but AJ has not been on the broadcast this week. Yeah, maybe so we don't, we, maybe she's doing her day job. We don't know what that is. We're still pondering, but we haven't seen her, so I can't tell you what I might think her day job is in this podcast. Maybe she went for a hairectomy or she got a little poodle cut. Who knows? I can't wait to see her back, and I miss her. Oh, goodness gracious. And Tommy B is saying there, Tom, uh, Kyle Palmieri would be the most likely acquisition. I don't want him. I'm sorry. I don't want him. Honestly, again, I, it really depends on what's going on with Lee. If Lee's out short term, I, I and don't want him. The, I, rental player, the rental players are going to be cheaper. And when we talk about the cap space that we have available, it makes it more convenient and easy to say, all right, the rental's gone, or we can do X, Y, Z and keep the rental. I think it gives you more flexibility in that respect. So I, I think it's that's that's the biggest thing. Like the Islanders, I think, have to sit down as an organization and say, 
I think they know how long Wee's out. Obviously, we are not 100% sure, so we're just speculating. That being said, they have to say, hey, rental or a guy that has cap and term. So that's going to be the biggest point here. And what a film saying, uh, you should have to shoot on Sorokin in the penalty shot. Uh, he's too good side to side. Yes, absolutely. He is. that, And that's where that athletic ability uh, and that agility that he has absolutely comes to the forefront, and we saw it today. You saw Gusev, though. Who used to play against him, or kind of Gusev, who came up. He he had the experience there. I think like uh, even like in juniors or so. Well, I don't think that KHL has like juniors, but like in like the the developmental squad there in Russia, he obviously had some familiarity with them. I love how he came in oh so slow, and he just waited to pick the spot. He again, like you could tell, like people who played against him was like, okay, that's how I have to score against him. You can't go ahead and try to use the speed because he's too much like a cat. He'll stop anything if I try to go side to side, and he's you know he stays up. He doesn't go to the ground too quick. So it was interesting to see that for certain there for Gusev. Right. You asked before when I should have been talking about Tom Brady, what I was talking about. It was uh, Sorokin. Okay. Well, hey. And I did you. not remember Gusev's name. Mm. Go ahead. Take a drink. Gusev. But yes, I will tell you this much. Sorokin's numbers, I'm sure, are not sexy when people are looking at him right now, but it's not all a numbers game for him. I always thought this year was going to be more of like a, hey, time to get your feet wet, time to get acclimated to the NHL. That's the biggest thing. If he comes away with that saying, hey, this guy can be our starter for the future, that's the most successful thing for a year for him, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> what a film says, if Barzi left the Islanders and Grumpy Old Man retired from podcasting, I'd quit watching hockey. Well, I'll tell you what, he's got a film career. What a films, uh, I'd love to be part of that. Grump, if you were to retire from podcasting, I don't know who I'd have to get to replace you, Grump. I don't. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know how I'd go about doing that. We've been doing this together for three plus years. It'd be tough. Now, I could say if TJ quit the podcasting world, that would be it for me. TJ does everything on the podcast. Everything. Uh, everything. Thanks, Grump. Uh, Tommy B saying the gum still has his video camera from the JFK assassination. Very true. Back into the. I think it was back into the left, back into the left. Back into the left. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, and what a film saying, go Barzal, never say die podcast. A Thank couple you. of superstars. Jerry S., grumpy old man. Uh, no, I'm not I'm not even going to let you entertain or answer that question. I'm not, I'm not letting you entertain and answer this question, Jerry. I did show him, though. I'll, if if grumpy old man wants to provide you an answer, I have no problem at all doing so. Like, But, uh, Grump, I'm not going to let you even – I'm not letting you answer that question. Okay. Uh, David D. is saying, I I'm sold Palmieri for a second and a prospect. I don't know. I just don't like him. I don't know why, but I've never liked him. I've never liked him. I just – I don't know. I've never liked him. He's got a good wrist shot. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't like him. He shoot the puck. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased against him. Oh, goodness I gracious. I, don't, I, just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like him. Tom B saying, he said, I'm good now. I've got Zoom and a new computer. Um, and then he says, David D is saying here, Palmieri can replace Lee there on the first line now. Uh, yeah, I just don't like him. I don't know why. And here's the thing. He's a good player. I just – I don't know. I just don't like him. But hey, if we got him, it's better than what we have. If it, if it manages to sit Leo Comrov or Michael Del Cole and give Bellows a chance on the third line when Pajot comes back with Wallstrom, like it should have been, you should have played them from the beginning. Uh, I'm all for that. And David C saying, "What happens first, Grump? Pulak scores or AJ gets through a broadcast without her hair getting out of place?" I gotta say, Pulak scores because AJ goes out there every night with the same hairdo. Here's my question. It's, it's better to do this. 
will AJ be on the national broadcast of like NBC Sports Network? Because if that's the case, her hair always looks great, pristine. It wasn't good the first couple of games she did last year, but then they said, what the heck? We can't get your whole head in the camera shot. Let's put a little spray in this bad boy and fix it up. And she looked presentable. She did. Oh, good. Isn't it? I've seen her doing stuff on Boston, uh, some Boston uh, yeah. shows, and her hair is messed up there too. So, you know, I mean, it's just the NBC people are going, okay, I realize we really don't pay too much attention to hockey anymore, uh, but AJ, you got to fix that hair. Frank K saying Sorokin's on his knees more than ooh. ooh Monica Lewinsky. Ooh. <laughs> I was gonna read the rest of it. So but I don't know uh, if he's gonna just... take the jersey or not. I don't know. Oh goodness gracious. Alexander saying we need to make a run after Philip Forsberg. Grump, I will tell you. Um wouldn't mind it. The price is gonna be absolutely enormous. So it's gonna be interesting to see as we find out more what happened there with Anders Lee. Um, what the extent there of the injury is, whether it's going to be, hey, just a 10-game thing, we expect him to be back, or, hey, he's done for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I just – I like Phil Forsberg because it can improve us in the long term too, and I just think he's – he's I think he's a good fit. <clears throat> David C. says, Grump, remind us of the names of your three amigos. Well, that says two amigos, but the three amigos – He says three. It was Chevy Chase. Martin Short, Steve Martin, Philip Tomasino, <laughs> Alexander Kaliev, and Connor McMichael. There Woo! we, there we go, there we go. Tommy also saying we're not getting Forsberg. <sighs> I, I, don't I think, think we are either. I don't think we are either, but I can dream, can I? <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely can dream. Um, uh, Alexander, um, I wonder if Pulak will ever hit the net again. Goalie back there says uh, Pulak is shooting. No big deal. That's what the goalie's saying when he's back there. I think that he would have a better chance hitting the net. I don't. I don't know. I, I if he maybe aimed for the backboards. I, I, I just can't put the buck on that. I'm sorry. Colton, give Colton out there. Uh, and somehow, says, somehow he's at the top of the power play now. I mean, even when Dobson the last couple of games, if you notice, Dobson was not on the power play. It was Pulak, and he can't hit the net. Dobson hits the net. Aho puts the puck on net. It's really imperative when you're shooting the puck to try to put it on net. It's really important. Uh, we got a comment here. For, oh, sorry. Got a comment here from Jerry Springer saying, Grumpy old man, do you think Lou Morello is seen out or needs depends or adult diapers? No. He, he probably doesn't. needs depends. Stop. I don't think he needs style, but he probably needs depends. You wonder why I'm not letting Grumpy answer those other questions here. Um, Would a film saying, Congratulations, TJ, on your wedding and dealing with the Grumps. Yeah, I tell you, that takes a lot out of you. That's um, true. It does, true. David D. saying, Tommy Baffney, never say never about getting Forsberg. LOL, just kidding. I like how uh, never say die. Uh Specimen Seeking saying, Aho deserves to play. He made mistakes, but um, he's an improvement over Green. The thing right. is, like, when when you feel more comfortable, it was his first NHL action there in three years. And the thing is, when he played three years ago, it was a baptism by fire. We had so many injuries on the side. We just threw him there in the lineup, and he's playing that Doug Waite system was run and gun. So he, I think he would really benefit there for some extended time period. Like if Dobson's out, I think that would help his growth, hopefully his confidence as well too. But see, that's what you do. You give the young guys a chance. You let them. You let them say, "Okay, we know you can't do it." I don't. You know. I mean, then you don't need to sign the Andy Greens, right? I know he was a song this year. What seven hundred thousand or seven fifty? 
Trouble breathing. Trouble trouble drinking. DJ is having problems with the fire hydrant today. I don't know. Maybe you forget you're supposed to drink and swallow. I don't know. He just spit up all over himself. I was about to say, if everybody just listens to the podcast, doesn't watch it there, you miss a little bit of gold. What can I say? It was bad. Uh, But, I mean, why not give Ajo a shot? I mean, he's, what, 25 years old now? I mean, let him play. I mean, I thought he looked, even though it was in a train wreck a few years ago, I mean, I thought he showed potential, and then he never gets a shot. It's just frustrating. I mean, here's the thing. Taves wouldn't have played if Hickey didn't get hurt, right? Think about that. Yeah. I mean, Taves, that, I mean, like Taves was sitting down there. He probably would have sat down there for the better half of the entire season unless Thomas Hickey got hurt. And that was the only time he really got a chance here. Um, here you go. Alexander said, did you see the Rangers trade offer for Eichel, TJ, and Grumpy? Uh, Lafreniere, uh, Lafreniere, sorry, uh, Caco, uh, Capo, and a first-round pick. My God, that's was that a true? Was that a confirmed trade? I don't know, but if, I, if I'm Buffalo, I take that. <laughs> if I'm Buffalo, I take that. I'm about seven. Look this up. I have I have no idea if that's a real trade offer or not. That that is quite a substantial amount, though. If it was, I mean, Lafreniere is eighteen. Lafreniere, Lafreniere. I messed it up for you. Sorry, it's Lafreniere. Okay, he's he's eighteen. Kako's nineteen, and a first rounder for Eichel, who. Tommy's saying that's false. Again, I've never, I've not heard of this trade offer. I've got to look it up. Maybe it's just like a trade rumor. That is a substantial amount to give up there. So I'm not sure here, but again, like I, I think that might be one of those rumor things. I have no idea. Like I could not imagine Buffalo saying no to that. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. So again, like I, I'm not sure here. We're just moving along though. Uh, David C. saying butch, butchered Sorokin's names several times again today. Sorokin. He did. I, you know, he gets those little Sorokins every. When once he gets excited, he can't. He really has. He really has to concentrate on his name. Yeah, I get it. Tom White saying opposition cheats when uh, Pulak is on the power play. He doesn't even get time to shoot like Dobson. I'd let him shoot. Can't hit the net. (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's not. He should not be at the point on that power play. He's not good. I. I mean, I've watched him the last couple of games. He doesn't do the job at the point. I. I I don't like him at the point. I mean, remember he? Yeah, they had him at the uh, the trigger man position there for the first twenty some odd games of the season. He didn't really make it work there either. Um, so yeah, Alexander saying Andy Green's like seven thousand years old. He's definitely old. Too much pessimistic. He's saying, "What is Grumpy's scouting report for trade options? Maybe that should be the content for next podcast. For certain, it is. Again, we really haven't even had a chance to digest. This week was crazy when it came to Islanders news uh, since our last podcast. I mean, like yeah. Andrews Lee goes out injured. You've got Kiefer Bellows getting the emergence of Kiefer Bellows shining through. And now the COVID protocol. So there's a lot to talk about here, definitely for next podcast. Uh, grumpy old man. We've got here, uh, what a film saying, when push comes to shove deep in the playoffs, we hope the Islanders are at the top of their game between the pipes. Uh, might be difference, might be the difference they need. Well, uh, I think we're going to have to really depend on Varlamov at this point in time. I don't think Sorokin's ready for a playoff push. I just want him to get enough games where you can feel comfortable. If he had to come in, he could do the job. But I think you're going to see Varlamov. For certain. Again, Varlamov has definitely done extremely well uh, this season for certain. We are right at the end of the podcast, a little over two hours, Grump. What do you have to say as we wrap things up here today? I thought – I'm sorry that you got attacked on social media, TJ, for just being intelligent. 
Uh, no. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised, honestly. Um, but here's the thing. The grumpy old man's got your back. Uh, have those people listen to this podcast. I'd love to hear them chirping so I could just pick them apart. It's the Islanders sycophants. Uh, you know, if they're in a club where somebody can never do anything wrong. I'd love to talk to people like that because I can change their minds. Oh, know their futures. Oh, that's how everybody believes on social media. That's why I try to avoid a lot of the, the back and forth. But Grumpy, we are right at the end. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up here? I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens. And it's been a great couple of weeks here for the Islanders. Right? Nine straight victories. I mean, you can't do any better than that. No. Hopefully we can keep it rolling. I don't feel confident against Washington, but I hate Philadelphia so much. I don't even know. I know we're doing Wednesday, so I guess we only have one game before then. Um, What's your prediction, by the way, Grump? We lose to Washington. Washington's good. Well, Washington's good. They're real good. And I guess we did also lose there to Washington earlier on in the season when uh, when they did have all those players out there with the COVID protocol. Yeah. So I, now do you think it's going to be a regulation loss? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, they're good. Uh, they're good. They're real good. Oh goodness gracious! And Todd Reardon's not behind the bench now, so that was the advantage we had last year. Was Reardon was behind the bench, and Trotz knew everything he was going to do. Uh, no, we're not, we're not beating them. <laughs> oh goodness! Michael saying Butch calling color over the first goal celebration scored back in the front row of the crowd at the Coliseum was blasphemy. Yeah, wow. It is what it is. Well, thank you, Grump, there. Thank you for everybody who participated and listened in the live stream and watches and listens to the podcast. Again, Grumpy Old Man and I love when we get to interact there with the people who do like talking Islanders hockey, who do like listening to the podcast. Listen to myself and Grumpy Old Man, just two avid Islander fans, talk about the sport they love and the team that they love and are infatuated with. Thank you so much, guys, again, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.